podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a special Under Pressure podcast. This was released for subscribers a few weeks ago on AI Pro. We wanted to really release this for you guys as well because it's a look in the background, you know, the background of what we do, how we collect the data, the stats, the analysis, the full works of how we do. So this podcast is really long. It's like two and a half hours long. So you're going to have some time to listen in, check it out. But this is the type of work we do on Under Pressure for AI Pro. So make sure you check it out here. And then if you're really interested, make sure you come and subscribe to AI Pro. It's uh, There's a special offer on $39.99 at the moment. And uh, you can also check out uh, the join page on amfordindex.com forward slash join if you enjoy the show. Here it is, the special two, two and a half hour long AI under pressure on what we do behind the scenes. <laughs> Welcome to the latest Anfield Index Under Pressure podcast. Um, my name is Dan Kennett. I'm hosting this one, um, but we do have the full 18. Um, first of all, I have as a guest, Mr. Our Overlord himself, Gags Tandon. Hi, evening, Gags. Evening, Darth. I'm, I'm enjoying just sitting here listening to you talk, hopefully, and uh, just come to me when you want to laugh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Crack a joke well, aside, take the piss out of Sai for a bit, you know, get him riled <laughs> up and shouting about stats, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, well, no change there then. We might as well bring him in. Brundish, good evening. Afternoon, boss. Afternoon, other boss. Oh, afternoon. Are you in a different... <laughs> um, and Rosie, got to bring you in as well. How back are you doing, the, mate? Back to the uh, days of your analytics pod this, Dan. Well, yeah, exactly, because the, we are doing this slightly different one, this one, because it's pre-season and it's summer time. So we are, something we talked about quite a while, um, quite a lot of times on the regular show, is that we're going to do a full introduction to um, football analytics, starting at the very bottom. Um, and maybe almost like a bit more like a day in the life of under pressure or maybe a week in the life of uh, Anfield Index under pressure to give you guys a bit of an insight into what we do, how we do it, um, and so hopefully we'll see how it goes. Um, so I'm going to break this show down into four sections. I'm going to start with, I'm going to call it data sources, then we're going to go on to data collection, then the analysis, and then finally the presentation. And I'm going to go straight into data sources, and we always talk about on-ball and off-ball, and we're going to talk those, those two categories. So, but we're going to start with the on-ball side, like we always do, which basically means opta. Quite what ninety-nine percent of what means opta. So, I'm going to come to you first on this, Rosie, and I'm just going to get you to give a bit of a uh, a note, basic overview into into how opta work. Well, to start with, opta were founded in 1996, which is a long, long way back way before stats were getting into football. Uh, I think the first product was the Carling Opta Index that was on Sky Sports. Does anyone remember that? I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 
they only started collecting data in real time in 1999, and that's nothing like we know today. It's basic shots and stuff. Um, so they, they, they weren't anywhere near the company they had to visit. They started the XYZ data collection only in 2005, which is, you know, it's a big, it's a big gap between when they started and, and when they started doing what we know them for, what they are known for. Um, I think what, what they've got their validation and their, their, that's why they've grown because they were the first to do it. Were they down the first ever yeah. company to collect this kind of data in football? So, and so it let's was pretty groundbreaking at the time. Just, just give the listeners a bit of a, just a quick overview of how Opta actually collect at a, at a match live data collection. Well, they've got each. So you've got. Let's take a Premier League. Premier League, say you've got 10 matches of the Premier League, it's on a Sunday. Uh, there's a pair of analysts assigned to each game. And with each pair of analysts, they're watching one team each. And with those two is a checker. So there's someone always watching what they're doing. And they're just taking down, they're looking at the monitor, and most of the collection that they're doing is a, is, is a passing date because that's the most frequent on-ball occurrence in a game. So... Guy touches it, pass, pass, and if you you can, if you want to Google it, you can have a look and you can see the videos of them. They're often talking to each other. Was that a tackle? Yes, no. They're often trying to confer. And this is where there's a, there's an overview. There is a supervisor at Opta, and he's every single match event that's logged comes on his screen, so it's like a ticker going down on his screen. And when he sees a big one, like a big chance, which they know is subjective, we'll come on to that later. He goes and checks, and they watch the video, and they get someone. So they're constantly checking, constantly trying to validate their data, and that's and that's just basically how they do it. And it's done so they, remotely in an office, right? And it and it's done well. It's yeah, an office, but it's it's more it's kind of branched out to bigger settings these days with low because they're covering so many leagues across the world, um, and it's of course fifteen hundred. It's fifteen hundred to two thousand events per game. So, That's how many they so like, I think, I think basically a lot of, some of our listeners might play big online computer game like League of Legends where they're going to have 30 key combinations for dairy, various things on their mouse and their yeah, keyboard. Yeah. The, the opposite guys are going to have, they're going to have 50, um, like 30 to 50 combinations. They got all these shortcuts and hotkeys everywhere for, for setting these things up. And I think the coordination, um, to, to actually get those keystrokes right and log it in real time. It's, it's pretty astonishing, really, no matter what they do through. Um, it is. And there's, there's one guy who says he, who used to do, who did six games in a day once, is now a supervisor <laughs> there. And he says, he, when, when he, he, he was assigned to an Italian game and it was Calgary. And he said before the Calgary game to make sure he was keen, because you don't know the players, he had to go and watch loads of Calgary games before he went to log that match. Because if you don't know the players, you're too slow. So that's the amount of knowledge you've got to learn the players of every single team you log in to be quick yeah. enough. Yeah, so a lot of preparation as well. Now, something that um, this 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 channel, Gags, this 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 podcast originated yeah. from EPL Index, mm-hmm. and you had a very close relationship with Up to Once Upon a Time. So how did they how did they get their data from? From from when their match collection because they 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 submit it live in in game don't they too can you yeah. give us a quick how they work so it's all done with XML technology so it's all passed through XMLs and then 
via their API sent out to all their customers. So getting a bit techy on you. Everybody has. Uh, basically, you got to have these files are delivered to your server. So wherever your website is on your server or a server that you want it to, because obviously your website can point to anywhere you want. So you can store them separately if you want. Some people might be storing them on Amazon. Anywhere, basically. So you create, set up the folder. You've got to give them the access, whether that's with, um, you know, FTP, SFTP, give them access to it. And they just basically drop them. I was on a post match. So there's two types of, um, feeds yeah, as well. You can have post match yeah. and you can have live. And we were actually post match, but, but for four years, they were sending us live data. <laughs> but charging us, but charging us post match. So we, 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 we let that happen. We just let the updates roll on the site. So people were getting the live data if they were on there. And, um, if they were checking during the games, EPL index, it was actually Anvil index for the first few months. I was. was. Yeah. Just checking <laughs> and, and that would, that would change. I would, I would do it every 10 minutes. I'd update the site every 10 minutes. While I was there, so it would, uh, I would, it, there was no, you can set crons up and stuff, cron jobs, and you can run them, but it was taking too much, um, too much service, you know, it was just too much, um, what was it, capacity on the service, so basically I just manually used to run it every time. There's a first three years of my life on EPL Index, if there's a Premier League game on, I had to have my laptop with me, because I was running that cron job as many times throughout the game as I could. So, so, yeah, so people were thinking, oh, this is nice, EPL Index, it must be all automated. It took over my life, really did, for three years to build a customer base, etc. on there, everything, it took over my life. So, uh, but it was great. It started everything off. It kicked all this off. But like, it was um, one thing that you could say is that a lot of errors, lots of errors in their data at the start, Back then, they would change a lot of their, like, I think we're going to go into data validation next, aren't we, uh, Darth? So yeah, this is probably ideal. Yeah, so basically, you'd, you'd report something during the game, like for the first half, if a player was playing for the first half and he'd had six chances created or something stupid, but then didn't create anything in the second half, and then at the end of the game, you'd only created four. <laughs> so like, yeah, it was crazy. So you'd have to be really careful of what you're tweeting throughout the game. And to be honest, I, I stayed away from it because obviously Opta were watching very, so I would have to pretend that I'm looking at StatZone or StatZone was out then. So I had to pretend I was looking at, I don't know, another site like fucking Guardian chalkboards or something and adding them up because yeah. otherwise I'd get charged. But yeah, yeah. it was ideal. Unbelievable. So, but- but typically, Opta, Opta would send out maybe at least two versions of the post-match file with all the stats in, maybe three, sometimes even four. And maybe on, you know, on, you know, say it was a Saturday 3 p.m. game, they'd send the post-match out at 5 o'clock, another one later on the Saturday, maybe oh, probably no. one on Sunday. They'd go, they'd, they would do it so many times, Darth. They would even send no, it out sometimes, like... Uh, seven, eight days later that that game has been ah, updated. Right, so okay. I would, was it it, that many? oh yeah, it was a pain. And then when we created something called top stats, remember top stats where, yeah. um, we'd actually have a list of, but we, you could do, you could actually list like performances of the week, you know, we'd actually have the analysis top stats. Come out <laughs> yeah. They would be out of date. So I'd have to go back and rerun that week. Cause we had, I'd built different jobs because it was all we did. We never used a database. We didn't use a database. All of that all was run files. through XS, um, XSLT. All through XSLT is unbelievable. 
really interesting. So yeah, I even learned how to code a little bit. So it taught, taught me loads. But yeah, it was there was no database either in our background. So you could do Steve, it many different ways. Stay with you, Gags, right? Because mm. obviously you, you you designed up. We used to love it. You had some very yeah. famous customers like Fulham, Blackburn, and every others as well. No, we'll say John yeah. Henry too. Why not? John Henry was John also Henry, yeah. yeah yeah. And but you know what you know you broke it down into so what are the main categories in Opta that the, the, the people listening might not know about. So there's some really obvious ones and some not so obvious ones. Categories in terms of oh, like defensive of the stats data. Yeah. Yeah, there's, oh god, there's too many, dude. How do we go through that? There's, there's obviously yeah, was... attacking, creativity, shots, creation, uh, there's shots, um, and then obviously passes just split off into so many different ones, like long passes, crossing, creativity, you know, Pass all direction, wasn't oh, it? Oh my god, it can, just. Can we, do, can we do the controversial ones? Can I just ask you all, what's the most frequently asked question you've had about stats definitions? Because for me, it's what's the what's the definition of a big chance? Yeah. How many times? <clears throat> it used to be clear cut chance. Yeah. Yeah. I still I use clear cut chance. Yeah. To be honest. I do love that <laughs> clear cut chances. I yeah. <laughs> the amount of times I've been asked because you because you, you're using big chances, right. uh, especially, using on big, site, Dan, especially on the site, Dan. Especially on the site because we would be working off of. They did have some of the worst definitions in their specs. And you'd quote it back to a a subscriber, and they'd be like, "What the fuck does that mean?" <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this this is a new thing for football because we were all learning these yeah. definitions. You you had you had a, you had a whole definition in your head for what a tackle was, for what an interception was, yeah, for what a big chance was, and then someone's put it in numbers, and you're like, "All right, that's fair enough." So I'll I'll say tackles, but then you learn what a tackle is. According to Opta, and it totally that, yeah. that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, so then that's why we it said it doesn't mean what you had in your head. No, no, and that's why we don't use it because it doesn't make sense. Yeah, so, so this is all part of evolving, isn't it, and understanding yeah. depth feeds. Mm. Yeah, jewels was another one. There's so many different types of jewel oh as God. well: aerial, ground, take on, you know, etc. Um, and then obviously fouls. Um, oh, anyway, we'll come on to a lot more of this as we go on, but yeah, I guess and, make... and, and Darth became the, you know, the authority on I was it. Just gonna say that. Because, because when we were creating the site, trying to understand these was really tough. And we needed one person to come in and say, just one to come in and take control of it and say, I'm going to work on this. I'll split them up. And then basically the design happened from what we did the initial design, which was just put everything out there and then Darth came in as a subscriber and said you could do something with this can I have a look at the spec and basically got talking to him I got we got I trusted him a little we know we built the trust obviously he was a paying customer as well and then he just went right okay I can split this up for you and from how he you know I mean we had to go back and ask loads of questions as well and in the end yeah. Darth we got were actually, into we were actually emailing the Gupta guys asking them questions about their definitions say so does it include that then does this so what about this then you know given all these examples and and then we were we needed that to get to the level of understanding to so to basically to avoid double counting wasn't it it was because we were doing it, loads avoid of double it. counting yeah 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 and it wasn't making still any doing, sense. it's still doing that to this day with understand <laughs> yeah, he is. He's doing that now. But then what happened was it made much more sense. And we were the only site really at that point that had worked out what each thing was doing. And we were putting others wrong. Sorry, we were putting others right. 
no, no, that's that's not right. It's this. It's this. And that was why EPL Index was so popular, because it was flat out there, plain out there. It was all worked out for you. Uh, it was all split up into its different ways. Uh, we'd even split the shots up, you know, into goals and everything. It was so good. And it was basic, though. Very basic. But It was unique. It was unique, In terms too. of what it offered. Yeah. But the data Ted, was Ted Knudsen, good. Ted Knudsen was another subscriber as well, wasn't he? I think he was, yeah. He was with Pinnacle Sports at the time. It, yeah, he's mentioned in his articles that, that the first access he had to some data. Yeah, it yeah. was with Pinnacle Sports, I think he was. Quite with. a few of the stats bomb guys were, weren't they? Mm, all of them, I think. Most of them, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Aye. So, um, most important, let's just finish off on the Opta 1, is let's just talk about what Opta do, but most importantly, what they don't do. So, from, we have to remember that what Opta record are ball events. So, most important thing is what Opta don't do is they don't record anything that happens without the ball. So, when a player takes a shot, we won't know, for example, how many men there are between him and the goal. We won't know the position of the keeper. It's, a, it's all, it's, a, it's very much a quantitative things of things which happen with the ball and lots and lots of counts of activities that happen with the ball. So, Opta stuff is very useful and it can be extremely useful in some scenarios, particularly attacking. But in terms of defending, you know, it's 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 got big limitations. Uh, and, yeah, and what we Dan, can... do, do you remember that Lee Mooney stat? Yeah, there's like ninety. Was it ninety five or ninety eight percent of of all football is it, you, you're not even with the ball, nowhere near the ball. Yeah, the average player has the ball for less than two minutes in a match or something like that. Two minutes is a long time. It's, it just yeah, it just and then size talk is all about the the amount of time the ball's in play, you know, and how much time. Yeah. So, that that just shows you how, how, I guess, little in the overall context of football. If you, if you think, if you think at the, at the World Cup, there was a game at th- the ball thirty eight minutes in play. So thirty eight minutes is divided by what? How many players are on? Twenty four, twenty six, players sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So five percent of thirty five minutes is on the ball. What to do in that game? <laughs> yeah, crazy. Okay, so the second data source is something that's becoming more and more prevalent and more and more frequent, as we've seen with stuff in the World Cup, which is off-ball. And I'm going to go with, not our own, own off-ball, but the camera tracking and the GPS tracking. So, Sai, start with, like, just just basic question. Okay, so who 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 provides this technology? Um, there are quite a few companies knocking around these days. Um, the the Deals keep being done with uh, with different companies per season. So um, Prozone's the one that most people will have heard of. Um, uh, one you guys have uh, have worked with, Stats, um, and Catapult is another one. And the 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 newbie on the block, probably the current uh, flavor of the month, um, is a company called Trackab. Um, T R A C A B. Uh, and they have a slightly different uh, technology than the others. They they look at the game differently with a with a different opt op- combination optical and GPS stuff. Um, so they create basically a mesh within the stadium um, and plot around there rather than using actual GPS. Um, and and they're me- they're measuring. So each player is is plotted um, something like thirty times per second. Um, across the pitch, so they're correlating that with ball, with possession, without possession, with time, uh, 
in with the ball in play, time without the ball in play. You're going to, you're going to get distance. You're going to get speeds. The stuff that, um, sports science care about, um, acceleration, times of deceleration, ch- times of change of direction, that kind of stuff. So just be- before we come on to track up and you know, there's a bit more, um, sorry, you mentioned Prozone. I think that that's the one that people might have heard of most. Famously, pioneered in the same kind of late 90s, a bit like the Opta time thing Rosie was talking about. People like Arsene Wenger, maybe Steve McLaren. Steve McLaren, Sam Allardyce. Arsene Wenger, Steve McLaren, Sam Allardyce. Yeah. And they, these uh, guys really used it in anger and they were pioneers, and pioneers of it in the early days. And they, and they got themselves quite big advantages, didn't they, I think? Yeah, absolutely. Just, I think... I think you can probably attribute Steve McLaren's entire management career to um, his relationship with Prozone, with uh, the two guys that started Prozone. And, How much he embraced it. Yeah, and basically he was partner in Prozone. And, was he? Uh, yeah, and they um, they used Derby County as their um, development ground, basically. They got, they got uh, full access to their players and to their... Um, to the stadium and to the training ground so they could research and do data, um, and practice with them. So, um, at, at some point, uh, Steve McLaren and the, and Steve Round, um, who ended up, he was, he, back in the day, he was a player. He was like three years older than me, maybe. He was rubbish, but, um, he, <laughs> he never quite made it at Derby. He probably played like 20 first team games when they're, when they're in the league. Whatever it is, the, then it would have been division what? The one below the Premier League anyway. Um, so it would have been division two, I think, at the time. Um, and he was just a young kid from Derby and did his coaching badges because he was rubbish. He knew he was rubbish. Um, but he loved, uh, the idea of video, uh, video analysis. And he sat like video editing loads of stuff. And, and he, he, at one point in like 97, 98, maybe, um, had Jim Smith. Uh, was the manager, Steve McLaren was assistant and, um, and he would, he would basically be the opposition scout. Um, he would, he would pass like six video, uh, VCR units at a time together, chopping, literally manually chopping tapes together to create a, a scouting video for them to look at. Uh, and he got in touch with the guys from Prozone. It's actually Steve Round rather than Steve McLaren that, that was the original link in. Um, and yeah, they created this platform where, where that you, that most people on here will be used to seeing football manager or championship yeah. manager as I knew it. Um, those little dots going around the screen. So you can see it almost real time. Um, and, and that's, that's basically how it worked originally. You would, you would get to see, get to replay a game, um, with these little dots on the screen. Brilliant. So we've started a, a bit more, um, about, you, you went into a bit about how it works. So, I'm guessing, uh, side that the, you, you got loads of cameras around the stadium, around fixed points and, or maybe GPS monitors on players' chests or in their clothes. I, I, just a bit more about how, how the actual technology works on that side. Uh, yeah, so there are different ways that you, you can monitor it with a literal GPS unit. So it'll be, um, maybe a, a three inch, uh, by one inch rectangle block that goes in the back of a shirt. Um, which has a little pocket in it at the top. So in between the shoulder blades, which, which, uh, either depends on the technology, um, has a relationship with satellites or with, um, like radar units within the, um, stadium, which plot them, uh, their position against the, 
size of the pitch, whatever. So it tracks them as they're going around the pitch. Or um, there is a version that just uses camera. So uh, there will be through algorithms in computers, they'll be manually plotted each player and then the cameras will recognize each player from a given position, uh, a specific identifier, which then tracks them. So there were, some have, uh, I think, 16 cameras. Some have got 32 cameras. It used to be four. Well, the track app is, like you said, it overlays a virtual mesh on top of the, the stadium with the camera technology, yeah? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I take it they, they purport now to be the most accurate, do they? Uh, yeah, they're the ones that, that are the most accurate because they have the less signal, the least signal loss being in the stadium rather than um, 27,000 27, miles above it. Nice. And so just on some, on the off, finish off on the off ball, some, some key definitions maybe, um, just to give some context. I mean, we often hear about sprints, for example. So what, what exactly is a sprint? Um, it, What's high speed? What's slow? What, you know, that kind of stuff, you know? So it's probably, but we can use here World Cup um, definitions because Europe has slow. I don't know. Each country has their own slightly different definition. In England, we use anything above uh, 7.9 meters per second, which translates at 25.97, I think, or something like that, um, kilometers per hour. As anything above that is a sprint at the World Cup and in Germany, anything above 25 is a sprint in, uh, in France, anything above 24.5 is a sprint. I don't know why. Um, when is it? When is it going to be uniform? Because it sounds a bit. Sounds, it just comes. You know, when you when when you want a de- definition across the sport, it's, it seems ridiculous to have different cut-off points for the same thing. It's crazy. My thinking is it's down to the branding of the companies that are, that are uh, supplying yeah. the the, uh, the tracking. Um, yeah, some like you know, if you buy a Nike shoe uh, and buy an Adidas shoe, they'll have slightly different sizes despite saying the same thing. I think it's, it's something to do with that. I think it's to do with signal loss. But it ultimately, com- it, error it, ultimately com- it ultimately comes down to meters per second. Yes, meter, meters per second is what is what sports <clears throat> scientists care about. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, broadly speaking, uh, it might be eight above eight for a sprint. Did you say above? Yeah, basically above eight for anything eight and above for a sprint is is that's fast. Um. But for pe- for consumers, the consumers just don't get meters per second because they don't, they can't. You, you you have no point of reference for meters per second unless you can relate it to ten meters per second being being a ten uh, a ten second hundred meters. Yeah. But from a football perspective, like miles kilometers per hour, because most people have been on a treadmill at some point, yeah, and so you know what sixteen kilometers an hour feels like. So you can yeah. start to. You, you have that reference in your mind to know how fast fast is. Yeah. But most treadmills don't go above 25 miles, 25 kilometers an hour. Most mm-hmm. commercial ones, and, and they have to be really good ones. So you still don't quite grasp how fast that people are running. That John Terry is doing 26, uh, 26.7 kilometers an hour. You, John Terry is slow. He's still running faster than you. So, so I'm going to wager that there's not many of our listeners who could, who could who run 100 meters in less than 12 and a half seconds. So that is a sprint speed, ladies and gentlemen. If you can do 100 meters in less than 12 and a half, give us an at. If you can, if you can, you can at the yeah. account and, and, video, and video evidence. What your top speed is? Are you on 100 meters? Only your best time. <laughs> do you get underneath 12 and a half seconds? <laughs> okay, right, brilliant stuff. Anyway, Sai, um, going to go on to the final weight, final source of um. Data, final data source for us, and this is where our unique value add and the reason why this podcast exists. It's pressing gags. 
Yay. So I'm going to ask you, how do you do it? <laughs> so, oh my God. Can just, I go through how I no, first I... ever did it? The first ever one. You'll love it. One. <laughs> so it was. Pen and paper? Yes. Pen and paper. Tallies. <laughs> Tallying it up, I was just tallying, watching the match tally. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Charles oh. Reap style. Oh my god, yeah. First time ever. I'm sure there'll be a picture somewhere on my feed, uh, on one of my Twitter feeds. I'll have to search one day. There's too many tweets to go through. But the first ever was watching the television, sitting there with pen and paper, having in my head, what I thought my definitions were. So I'd, the first thing you do whenever you start anything like this is you have some definitions. You have to have, um, you know, the attributes of whatever you want to collect. You've got to have those stats ready. You have to have it in your mind. These are the things that I want. They were listed down next to the players' names. First half, second half split as well because it comes in handy, it comes in handy for analysis, uh, how somebody played first off and second off. So all of that went into it. All that was in my mind. This is without any training. This is without ever thinking about, you know, what obviously the only thing I'd, I'd seen was Opta. So that was quite good because obviously being with Darth, that was the only thing we'd ever done was messing about with that data. So I suppose that's training enough in a way. But for the first time collecting myself, it was just very, very weird. So that was all just then manually uploading it into uh, typing it up into excel tables and stuff like that and publishing them on twitter uh but it got really serious um i think the year after that because the reaction we got on the main pod remember darth the first few times we did it yep. it went viral like chelsea stats was the account there were chelsea people contacting us going this is unbelievable people were listening to the pod that weren't liverpool fans because they were just blown away by the numbers that were coming out. So opposition fans would listen to what Liverpool when had done. we played them. <laughs> yeah, because we beat them, because it was 13-14, remember, and we'd beat them, and we'd, and they would go through that, and they'd be like, whoa, this is crazy. So, yeah, that was the start. And then, obviously, I, I invested in a, uh, some software, so basically hosted on my server... Uh, just a simple with your mouse being able to click and then having a whole load of drop down menus. It's a pitch, isn't it? You've got basically right. a pitch and yeah. then you click anywhere on the pitch, which represents whether event you're watching on the video and it generates the XY coordinates on that pitch. Yeah. It, it does. It does. So what happens is you can, once I click a, a point on that pitch, a little dialogue appears and I choose the player. I put in the time manually. And then I select basically whichever definition it is, and we'll go through them in a sec. And minutes then one, and seconds, people. Minutes, minutes and, seconds. and seconds. Yeah, it has to be. And then once that's gone in, uh, you can download that at the end of the game, and it's like a CSV file. And I send that off basically to the authority of the data, basically Darth. So at this point, so <laughs> uh, that that's what happens. I just collect. So I do do a little bit of analysis in terms of my little table, but I don't know if these guys actually use that anymore. Because I think oh, we go oh, up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, do we? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I do it anyway and send it in the, in an email to these That's guys. Another, I always do, yeah. <clears throat> so, but it's really handy just for that match. You see, yeah, summary for that match. And then we just no, rely on because Sai updates his own. You see, he's, he's like a he's the renegade in the team, yeah. so he goes and does his own shit on Apple fucking numbers and shit. But yeah, so <clears throat> the definitions. So, I mean, yeah. So when we when did we finalize the? Was it um. Uh, two seasons ago or three seasons ago, we finalized 14, the definitions. 15, we finalized them. 
I think. So the first we one had a, was... We had, a, we, had a, we had about a two-hour Skype call, didn't we? To, yeah. Maybe three hours to just go through it, didn't we, and work yeah. through it. And then we so, through it. So that was way before Under Pressure started. We just so let me decided. start you. The question everybody wants to know, Gags, is what is a successful press and what is a fail press and why? Okay, so from my point of view, when I when I was watching the first time I ever watched pressing, uh, well, obviously pressing's been around forever. It's not something new. Collecting it though, I thought, how should I split this up? So for a a successful press, it means I, in my opinion, so this is my opinion only. I thought that the ball should not pass that player. That, that if somebody is pressing the opposition, uh, a Liverpool player is pressing the opposition. It should prevent, if it's successful, it should prevent the ball going past that player. It should either go sideways or backwards or we should win it. So that's exactly how the definitions work. You will have a number of definitions in here and some of them split off. So um the one that pushes sideways and backwards, which is probably the most popular one out of the whole thing, yes. right? And yeah. then you have one that wins possession. So win possession is not quite win possession. It's called like ta- that. Not like a tackle. No, it's not it, a tackle, is it? N- no, it can be a tackle. Yeah, it can yeah, be a tackle. So it can be. A- but it also can be where, for example, um, when Emery Jean and who is this? Jordan Henderson press the Man City midfield, and they hate us pressing their midfield. They then, in a rush just to try and get rid of the ball and it goes into no man's land where their Salah runs off with it, passes it to Mane and we score. The people that won that press was actually Henderson and Jan, not Mo. Mo Mo's not done anything. They've put the pressure on that player. So that's actually not a one possession. That's actually a turnover. They caused a turnover because of that. And that's also a win possession for me. So there's quite a load of things that go into that win position. As long as the ball changes hands, basically, and comes to us. Yeah, that is a win. That In American win. sports, it would be a turnover, wouldn't it? Basketball, yeah. basketball it would be a turnover. Yeah. So, um, and is, do you have a rule about how how soon it has to happen before you give the, the possession win? Within uh, X, within. Oh, it has to be within the next uh, in, instant. Instant, they only get a press win. It because otherwise, if it, otherwise it's just going backwards, right? If Man City heat the ball, yeah. it's just a press that goes backwards. So, so it has to lead to it has to lead to exactly. either a tackle or a loose pass, which then immediately recovers, uh, causes a turnover. Yeah, for us, yeah. And then yeah. the next best thing is that that leads to a shot or a goal. And so that press, I hold it, I wait to see what happens with the attack before I record it, and then it goes right. That led to a shot, bang, or that led to a goal. Change that. So those are like little subsets of a. Of a, of a one, it's an indicator of value, isn't it? Because led possession yeah. wins will always, you know, led to shots will always start off as possession wins, and they can become led to shots yeah. as well. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, press put <clears throat> a press that put the ball out of play as well is a positive because you stop them from going forward. Basically, yeah. you turnover for us. Okay. Yeah. Oh no, no, it could it could be we won it, or or even if they still have the ball, we just forced them out of play. Do you get what I mean? We okay. just forced them out of play, so it can be either. So if it's actually, if it's actually that we've won the ball back, so we've pressed them to the edge of the edge of the you know uh, uh, the touchline, and then they've put the ball out, that's actually ca- classed as a possession win because we've won the ball back. It's now ours. The other one, the press that led the ball, you know, put it out, is us just forcing them into a corner, and then us actually throwing it out, and then that's that's you know they keep the ball, but they haven't gone forward. They've actually had to go out. So yeah. They're all, they're all positive ones. And then the failures 
are pretty much where uh, they've got past us or kept the ball. So kept the ball meaning a failed press that led to a free kick. So if we've gone in on them and then fouled them. Dribble pass. Yeah, or a dribble pass is a failed press as well. People that go past any pass across. So you know when Lalana does his singular run around everybody and like three of them pass it sideways, he gets positives for the three, but the fourth one's guaranteed a fail because the guy's always passing it past him. There's no way he can block everybody. Do you get what I mean? It needs to be group pressing, all that. We'll go into yeah. that in a bit. But yeah, so it's, if you're doing a lot of individual pressing, normally it means there'll be a lot of fails as well because people will pass it, pass it around you easily. And I think what, what, what we'll find when Das talks about this is when the group pressing is high, it correlates with a better performance of press. And it means yeah, that we've done better. So, yeah. yeah, typically. But that's, that's all of them really. And, um, the fails so, are, yeah, are quite simple. give away if, yeah, sorry, failures, yeah, pressing fails, different types of fails. But obviously, but if somebody gets dribbled, somebody comes out into midfield, Eden has, I just skip straight past them. It's a pressing fail. Yep. Yeah, anything that uh, means the ball goes past. Just a free yeah. kick one. Just, a, just a, sorry, they're just leaving to free kick. Uh, failed press to shot as well. Very rare. Doesn't happen that often. So it's been a while since I collected one of them. Uh, failed press to cross. I don't do. I don't do. I don't really collect it to be honest because a lot of it happens in that final third of our. And and remember, that's one of the major things. I don't collect anything no. in our defensive third. Because that's, that's a defensive action, you know, that's a defensive action. It's yeah. more of a tackle rather than a press. So I, I stay away from that. So the pressing starts from outside our box all the way to the rest of the pitch, basically. That's where all the pressing occurs and pushes back. And, um, yeah, we've come a long way. We've come a long way. It's, um, it's pretty good. That's, that's everything, I, I think. I think so, Gags. I think you covered it nicely there. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go straight on to data collection now. So. We're going to go back to Opta now because Opta, collect, Opta provide the data, but we don't collect it directly, directly from Opta anymore because we don't have an XML feed to, to Opta on our own site. So, Rosie, how do how do we get how do we collect the Opta data? Well, um, there was a, a period of limbo, wasn't it, Dan, between UPL index getting shut down by Opta yeah. and um, us, us having decent access to quality data that we. Who scored is probably the most the most used. It's the, probably the busiest now in terms of where the up to date goes. Um, it's got a, it, it's got a user friendly um, chalkboard interface yeah. chalkboard, but not very. I don't think very friendly for scraping anymore, especially the individual match data. So when Fantasy Football Scout came along, which is basically just EPL index. <laughs> um, just put in a fantasy, you know, context. Um, when that came along, we, we, you've then got spreadsheet access to data. You know, it comes comes along in tables. There's comparisons. Is uh, you can create your own, count you down. They've got all the metrics yeah. listed. Um, so you create your own tables. Look at what you want. Uh, they'll they'll constantly update. And that's that was the key. It's the ease of access. That was the beauty of EPL. Um, and then when Fantasy Football Scout came along, it's fifteen pound a year. So it's a bargain. Um, I will add a caution. We know that you're not supposed to <laughs> use it in public. Uh, but, you know. So I- for, for, for data collection, Fantasy Football Scout is is the easiest one now, isn't it, by, by a country I, mile? I think so. Yeah. Um, one that you use, and we were talking about yesterday, Dan Squawker, 
Um, I was quite excited about it when it came along. I thought it had, it had, a, lot of, it had yeah. a lot of potential. It was one of the first to use a good comp. Well, it uses the comparison tool. It didn't introduce the Panini and stuff that was on. So all that kind of stuff kind of came later. But it, it was, um, I thought at the ta- initial time when it came out quite, quite pioneering, but it, it turned out not to be. I just found so many errors. You still use it though, don't you, mate? Yeah, I, I used it for all the, um, um, I used Squawker for all the, um, the committee pod preparation because Squawker is still the best site for goalkeepers. Mm-hmm. Fan- should, should mention the limitation of fancy football scale yeah. is it's only English Premier League. There's no Champions League yeah. and there's no Overseas League. Who scored has got the coverage of their league now that you, you can get almost, I think it's almost 30 leagues, major leagues from around the world. It's incredible. The breadth they've got. Um, Squawker, but it's still the best place for goalkeeper data because it's the only place that does punches, claims, crosses, goalkeeper distribution, um, and 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 also the comparison tool is great. The Squawker comparison matrix is really good, um, and then the team rankings and the player rankings. So I think I think I don't, know, but I don't know what's going to happen because I thought they were shutting down. I mean, um, yeah, but maybe they just got their licenses to the end of the season. I don't know, but uh, I was I was trying, I was trying to go through as well off the top of my head. How many different sites though would they collect, would collect data from? Because there's Objective Football, that's a fantastic site run by Ben Pugsley. Yeah. Uh, um, can you remember 11 versus 11 football in the clouds that had the, uh. Yeah. <laughs> in the clouds, yeah. <laughs> you've got, obviously you've got Stato that's on and off. Is it, is it up with us? I think it's moment? down though. I think, I think it's, oh. I think it's, uh, I think they've gone finally gone. Stato.com. That was based for league tables, wasn't it? Yeah. And I, I think, I'm... um, I think Squawker's deal was multi-year long-term. Uh, that's why they won't shut down because they've actually paid for that. So right. they'll probably be stuck the around for a while. Yeah. They've got the license for a while, I think. In our ITK knowledge. It'll be interesting to see if they get their data for eighteen nineteen season anyway. Yeah, let's see, because then it maybe they has run out, yeah. yeah exactly. Well, LFC history, soccer base, ESPN, Cartilage Free. Remember Cartilage Free when Cartilage <laughs> <in> there <laughs> advanced metrics and the annual finish. There's even some there's even some sites like I, I still go to NBC. the other place for goalkeeper data is NBC Sports. NBC, yeah. NBC Sports, you can see yeah, there's some really good stuff on there as well, just basic op. But data in mass by, by, by position, by league, by team. So that, that's quite good as well. And obviously the new one is fo- football reference, fbref.com. Um, mm. but these are all websites, Rosie. What about on your mobile phone? <clears throat> well, you, you asked me to do this and I think, I think it's, it's, it's more for you three. I don't, I don't do any. Stat zone is the big one, isn't it? And because it's on, Apple only. I haven't got either of those devices, and it and it yeah. kills me. Kills me since they've changed. Colin McCullum is an absolute legend, though, um, because that app was just so good. I didn't use it Brundish. for the I bring you in. Slow. Bring Brundish in. He uses it. Brundish, Stat Zone. Come on, preach, man. Stat Zone is tremendous. Real time. You get chalkboards. Um, it, it, it quickly aggregates the top player in each, each of the main fields you want to look at. You can break down on, onto each of the player. The only thing that annoys me doesn't have touches. Um, but passing, dribbling, shots, shots on target, you can, you, uh, big chances and it takes you into like the, uh, the chalkboard of each of those events as well. Um, it, it, yeah, it also has, it also has a tremendous animated feature that Pass most combos. people don't even use at all. That um, you can isolate like Henderson's passes or the whole game. Um, 
and it will it, it will in a, a condensed period of time show you an animation for each event in the game. It's tremendous. You get a real feel of of, of average position if you uh, if you run that animation. Are you using that for data collection though? Oh God, no! You can't. It's not really for. Uh, for I tell you, I, I tell you, who did it for it's years. It's informative rather than you don't. I can't collect off it. I tell you, who did it for years. Andrew Beasley. He get, still does manually collecting up. You know, he'd have the, he'd have the stats on his iPad, and then he'd have it open, and he and he and he'd type them in off the um, off the pages. He, yeah, because it it's it's so it's such a great and and for in match in match analysis, stat zone is easily the number one data. Um, app isn't it? Whether it's an app or a website for, for the stuff you I, don't know. I, I think who scores who scores real time these days on their on the website is better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah if you want, if you if you sit up your laptop, yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. but the, the stats zone is the only place that does the pass combos, for example. And Bees' tweet that went viral at half time in the World Cup final, and he said France's top pass combination was um, in the first half was uh, Larice to um, <laughs> oh, the Giroud, What's it Giroud, Giroud with five five <laughs> passes and it was Larice to Giroud was their top and they were, they were so shit it's no, no doubt that it's the best uh, best best stats app in game stats app uh, on, on on an iPhone or iPad definitely <clears> so yeah. good so good to, to just but tweet stuff what, off of be, you know be, because because I am I'm still on Android um, for my sins and whatever, um, and I don't have access to Statsome because Statsome was everywhere, and then it went, and then they went out of business for a bit, and then they came back. And when they came back, they were they were on iOS only, and then and they were also a subscription service. You have to pay for the league you won for that year. Um, so I I basically took a big search for other apps, and now I have two very good ones which I really like: SofaScore, which I think is excellent, and TLS Football. I mean, there's an absolutely brilliant feature on SofaScore. Um, which is the season heat maps for a player. I mean, that doesn't exist anywhere else. That's just an incredible piece of, uh, you know, a little thing. But yeah, TLS football as well is, it gives you that grid view of, um, passes and touches and clearances and, and all kinds of stuff by player as well, which is incredibly useful as well. So TLS football, that, 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 that's, you can get that on, um, on tablet as well as, uh, as, as basically any of your mobile devices. Um, and Brundish, um, I've always had the suspicion that you've got access to actual private or proprietary data. Um, I mean, is it is it different to any of those ones we've talked about? You know, because you obviously collect your stuff in 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 numbers in your sheets, yeah. Yeah. Do you have access to other stuff as well. You know, they opt to get. Uh, they have like seven different feeds that you can licensings of feeds. So we have the club yeah. version, which doesn't give the uh, it it doesn't give the same kind of broad. I don't know, it- XML depth that you guys talk about. I just get numbers rather than XML feeds. All right, but it's still, still ultimately from Opta. Yeah, it's always, always from Opta. Yeah. yeah, nice. Ah, so you get a report. You get a report, basically, Sai. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's different. So they just... they, they do. Capacity. That's right, yeah, professional capacity. They, they do so many different feeds. Remember what we did? It depends on who you are. So if you're a developer, you get XML feeds. If you're, a, if you're like Sai, a pro... They don't need, they, they, what are they going to do with XMLs? They're not going to put them into a system, are they? They're not going to provide it. They want to analyze straight up. So the numbers come across like that. So it depends on which side you're sitting on. If you're in the game, like Sai, for example, or in the field, that's different for us because we're, we are developers. That's what they look at us as, a developer. Then it comes in raw format. So that was basically, that's basically everything for. The raw opta data, the counts of, you know, the counts of the shots, the counts of the passes and all that and stuff. But there's been a huge development in the last, say, two years 
maybe two and a half, three years tops of analytics and measures which are in the public domain derived from the opta data. So it's not the raw opta data. It's 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 it. And, and the main one for these is expected goals. So um, Rosie, where do where, where, all these all these measures and the stuff that will become so integral to the way we talk about football on the show? Where do, where where are our go to places for these? Where, oh, where are the go to places? Well, we've we've got so many, haven't we? Do you, I thought you wanted me to wanted me to define it? Are we going to define it first? Oh, do you want to go? Do, do you want to define expected goals? Yeah. <laughs> well, I've, I've been looking for you. <laughs> Good luck. And, and, and I reckon Pinnacle have hit the nail on the head. Um, and it says, expected goals is a metric which assesses the chance of a shot becoming a goal. It's pretty much as simple as that. It provides a good way to judge the quality of shots since a shot with a 0.4 expected goal value should be scored 40% of the time. It's pretty easy to understand. And an XG of 1 is implying the player has a 100% chance of scoring pretty in, um, easy to understand. The key is how many factors are being taken into account when calculating the XG of a shot, and it all depends on the model. And we have got quite a few models, haven't we, Dan, that we use? Uh, yes, lots. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so <clears throat> our distance from goal, angle of the shot, um, did it fall at a player's feet, or was it a header? Was it a one-on-one? What was the assist like? A through ball across, long ball, a punt, corner, pullback? Um, was it open play or a direct free kick, penalty, you know, all these things? Has the player just dribbled past an opponent? Um, and is it a rebound? All these things are either some of them take into account most of it, or they've got their own little ones, or they've added more and different ones than the ones we've just outlined there. So yeah. it all depends on the model. So, and we don't even know exactly what they put in. And that's the what yeah, the only thing I would add to your definition of expected goals, just for a little bit more context for the listeners, is that it's it's, it's based on the law of large numbers, where um, you will then you basically record the, the x y location of the shot, um, the foot, the, the, whether it was with the left foot, the right foot, the head, um, and there's some basic measures about it, and then what what the end result of that shot was, uh, and then when you when you get those same events. And they will say within the same zone of a pitch, you'll have a very, the, pre, the penalty area will typically, used to be typically broken up into about 15 zones. And then you'd say which zone of the penalty area was it in? Um, which, or was it outside the box? And then all the shots in those zones would ha- end up having very similar results in terms of how often they were scored and how often they, how often they were missed or how often they were saved. So it was the law of the large num- law of large numbers is basically the number of times you've got, you, you've got, and you're going to build up shot databases like Steve McCarthy, um, who came on, um, AI podcast analytics podcast with with me before he was then poached by Monchi to work for AS Roma. He <laughs> assembled a, a name dropping now. Dan. He, he 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 assembled a shots database of a hundred thousand shots, and this was three years ago, uh, up to a hundred a hundred thousand shots in his database just from scraping off um, um, sites like Who Scored. Um, uh, but he would be a, you know he wouldn't scrape off the front end. He would actually go into the back end and take it out the code. And stuff like that, and he, he built up his database that way. And so, but he knew that if you said, "Okay, I'm 15 yards out on an angle left of the box," and he, all of a sudden in his in his shot database, he'd have 800 shots that have been taken from that zone of the pitch, and therefore he knows the rate of conversion is about seven percent. And that's that that's fundamentally the law of large numbers, and that's how it works. Which, but who was the first model you saw? Because Paul Riley's spam. Was <clears> one. 
first illustrations I saw. Yes. That told me, <clears throat> I was like, bloody hell, outside the box, that's so, that's so low. <laughs> you know, and that was the first time you start to think, oh, maybe you, you, you want to get a better chance or create a different. And I know you think that when you haven't got these models, but that was the first time I had it in front of me when I saw yeah. the, the ratios for how many shots it took for a goal from certain areas of the well, pitch. People like people like me and bees were doing the stuff on based off EPL index, which is how often is a shot outside the box scored versus how often yeah. inside the box. We were doing those, um, but the thing is, it what the, what the XG then did it broke it broke all those. What we didn't have is we didn't have we never had the X Y locations of the shot, so we didn't know which part of the box it was in or whereabouts outside the box it was. So that that was the key thing. Is it? and Riley went ahead and he, he basically. Looked at all the, he started with shots and target only, which is not a bad place to start. Yeah, and he basically yeah. he basically manually coded the position of every shot, its x y location coordinates, and put it into a, into a tool and, and into a database and did it that way. Um, yeah, I think he was one of the first guys. That's at football fact man, by the way, on 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 uh, on Twitter. Um, I'll warn you. Yeah, yeah, he's good. <laughs> very, <laughs> he's very unique in his style. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, expected goals is the big one, um, but there's so many places that do it now, isn't it? It's, it's everywhere. It's even on Match of the Day. We know Match Rosie, of the so. Day. Um, Fox Sports was one of the first I saw. Uh, obviously, that's is it coming from Opta? All all the ones that we're seeing. I think Match the BMO TD, Sky Sports, News. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's pretty much everywhere. You've got all the models that we use: Kayla, five thirty eight. Um, 11 teed and 11, which is Sander. Um, who's the one goal charts when, when they were putting them up? Uh, understand. Yeah, they're a bit of hit and miss now, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Understand. We're only going to mention the big one. Let's actually well, just. We skim need on... a big discussion on understand. <laughs> yeah. We'll skim on 538 as well, because the 538 has got an expected goals model as well, which is very nice. And, yeah. Um, but the, the game changer was, was understat, wasn't it? It was. Because it's, um, um it's got the individual um, XG for the first time across a number of leagues. Yeah, first time public have had access to it, and, and it's broken. a Russian site. Yeah, it's a Russian. It's, it's come from deepest darkest Russia somewhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I'm just I hoping mean, it's not going after the World Cup. Yeah, 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 true. So, before we go into detail about some like understat, um, Sai, expected assists. And, ex- and let's do actually let's do XG ex- expected assists and XG build up. Give us an, give the listeners an overview of what they are. Guys, okay, so similar to uh, to what Dan was saying about expected goals uh, from the final pass before somebody has a shot. That all of the stuff that that factored in from uh, the the actual shot taking. If you roll the game back one pass to what happens from that pass. The likelihood of a goal occurring from that, from the position that uh, that pass puts the guy into. That's yeah, basically and the type of, and also the type of pass it was as well, whether it was off the floor, on the floor, um, a corner, maybe a cross or something as well. Yeah. So yeah. and then and then if you want to look at uh, XG build up, uh, it's just watered down from there. Basically, the value Take of it. the XG is is uh, exponentially split one by one as you, further you go back. Pass by pass as part of that chain. Yeah, and and but actually, build up was the game changer on understat because it was the first time we've ever had it in public where you can actually take it back, not just to be it, not just by the chance creator or the shooter, 
but the guys who were involved for, further back in the move. And that was the first time we've ever really had that. The, the basic understat definition is total XG of every possession a player is involved in without key passes and shots per 90. Yeah. So it allows you to maybe evaluate, better value for the first time players who primarily play in a deeper position and maybe start attacks rather than finish them. Yeah, so it gives you a more rounded view of the player, doesn't it? Definitely. Rather than just, just quantify what, what, uh, how efficient and how effective they are at shooting and creating gives, shots for themselves. For themselves. It gives you lots of weapons to justify calling Ronaldo's ghost, doesn't it? <laughs> sadly. <laughs> and, um, and I'll tell you one which, which is sadly not around anymore, but savability. So this was something we loved, didn't it? When oh, savability. Savability. So savability uh, was on, I can't remember the name of the, Sportify. Sportify.io. Sportify. Yeah, American company. They were only around for about a year. But basically, say, do you want to get it? wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it was the savability was expected goals from the perspective of the goalkeeper. Yeah. So it's, it is, we have a, an aggregate version of, of, uh, post shot XG, isn't it? But so it, this would literally be reversed. So, um, who is the penalty kid? Oh, penalty kick stat. Yeah, penalty kick stat. He does a similar thing, just a penalty. So he, he's aggregates like tens of thousands of penalty kicks and the likelihood of them going in. But that's really easy because it's from one, um, the, all shots are taken from the same place, aren't they? And the get yeah. goal, goalkeepers in the same place. But what they did was, uh, looked at where the uh, shot was taking place from, from and where the goalkeeper is in, pers- uh, and then the type of shot and the location of that shot. And then the likelihood of it going in from that position. Um, but not it was just tremendous. Not- so it, it kind of, it adds a qualitative, um, metric to, uh, just the quantitative, did they make a save or not? Yeah. And it, but not just the location of the shot site, it was the, where it was heading within the frame of the goal, whether it was low yeah, down, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. right in the bottom corner, top corner, top half of the goal. Yeah. That's what I meant so, by shot location, where, yeah. where it's going to hit rather than where it's just where it's taken from, which is what we currently have. So XG gives you where it's taken from, and savability was it was um, an equation of where it's taken from in comp- uh, in relation to where it was going to hit. Yeah, and I, I always give the example of a good example of a post shot XG. Uh, so the difference between XG and post shot XG was that Nigel De Jong goal Anfield for Man City in the League Cup. I think it was a League Cup game, and from where he shot it was about forty yards out. And it would have been about a one between a one and a two percent chance on an expected goals model, but it started about three meters outside the post and and was hit unbelievably hard, and it went right into the into the post stamp in the top corner. So a one and about a one percent shot on XG probably became a ninety seven percent chance on an on a on a post shot XG model on savability. And that's why. Is it, what is it about little bastards that dirty little <laughs> defensive you remember that goal? that can lash <laughs> one to the top corner like Wanyama? Wanyama. Oh God, Wanyama, that would be a good one as well because that but, was ridiculous. But like, there's one of those West Brom dudes that did it. Like, y- Jakob. Sultan Gira. Oh God, shoot me. So, yeah. Sultan fucking Gira, yeah. It's Sultan Gira. Is that Rogers? No, but Jakob. Jakob. Oh, Claudio Jakob. Yeah, he did it against us. In the 3 3. 
So savability was really good because it was the first one that really had that public XG um, from the perspective of the keeper, and it, gave, it even gave you the, the, the data they had was brilliant because it said um, how how it was how many meters out from goal as well, and at the centre of the goal, the angle of the goal from the angle of the shooter, and we all know they they factored in. Um, um, the power of the shot and whether there was any swerve on the shot as well. But we did that brilliant thing, um, sorry to blow our own trumpet, um, Si, you, you put those gifts together. We we went through um, Simon Minnelay and we, we got the, the three hardest saves he made, didn't we, by yeah. by savability, or five, top five even, and we put that, it was, a, it was a brilliant little gift that was. Passes uh, the eye test beautifully though, didn't it? Yeah, number one was the um, one against um, in Stoke, the mirror from, was it Berahino? Yeah. Stoke. Yeah, that was the last time he hit the target. <laughs> it ruined him, ruined his career. Oh my god, it was sort of like a fourteen percent chance of being saved, or even maybe even lower. I don't know. Yeah, actually. it was less than that. I think. Yeah, I think it was point point zero four. I think it was a ninety six percent chance of going in. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, sadly missed not savability. And the last one, uh, which is, is non shot expected goals. Um, so this is kind of a bit like. Um, um, XG build-up, but but different because and it's only available in one in the one place, which is five thirty-eight, and all all that does is then evaluates all the activities that the opter events we talked about earlier that happen within a certain radius of the opposition goal, like a dribble or a pass, even if it doesn't lead to a shot, so the, or, or or a cross into the box. So it takes those opter events and then. And, and, and it comes up with a non-shot expected goals figure. And the good thing is, is that 538 know how valuable, for example, if you beat a man inside the penalty area, if you dribble past somebody 10 yards out, how valuable that is. And they can put that, they can put a number on that kind of thing. So that, that's, a, that's another one we do use from time to time, particularly when we've had a really good game, but, um, we haven't really maybe had the shots to show for it. We always quite often talk about the non-shot XG. So. Um, Dan, can you just explain to us goal charts and that strata bet data and the difference with Octa? Because I think it's important. <coughs> That's in chances, yeah. Now we're talking yeah. about on shot. Yeah, that is a good one, actually. Yeah, strata bet are a new data provider. They're a rival to Opta. I, they're mainly a bre- they're mainly a betting company, I think, at the moment. Um, but they do they do cover some leagues. Notably, I think they cover the Chinese Super League more than and nobody else does. And um, they have very different. Um, they have very. They have a lot of things the same as Opta, but they also have some critical differences. And one of the things they do is they 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 don't talk about shots. They talk about chances, and they they have tried in in their data. They try to define more parameters, uh, quantitative parameters, um, to to put into their feeds, which then they can use for for use for analysis. So one of the things that Opta doesn't do, as we always said, is date is defensive pressure. So. One of the things you don't know is you've got a, you've got a shot. There's a big difference behind a shot tw- on the edge of the box, 18 yards out, and you've got no, you've got two yards of space all around it, and you've got time to pick your spot, and just you've got a clear line of sight of the keeper. Whereas you are under tremendous pressure from three defenders closing on, and you can barely get a shot off. There's a huge difference in those two in those two situations. Now um, the other thing um, um, Stratabet do is they look at how many defenders. There are between the shooter and the goal, including the keeper, um, and because obviously that then has a big impact on whether to, where the shooter can place the shot, and then and, and also the likelihood of it being blocked. So um, what they do is the strata bet, for example, um, have 
five or six levels in their definitions of, and they all say where it, where there is they say no pressure, light pressure, or very light pressure, light pressure, medium pressure, heavy pressure, intense pressure, and they all define. And they've got these. And there's a, literally a paragraph of, of information in their definitions about. We said when you when it's this, it gets classed as light pressure or medium pressure or high pressure, and it's the same with 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 defenders on the line, and they have a fundamental impact on the expected goals values from the, the, for their models. So when you see an expected goals model which is based on Stratabet, um, it will it will be very different for the expected goals values from Opta um, or Michael Cayley or, or, or 11 Tegan 11. So um, the, the key being what you've just outlined on when those two shots on the edge of the box, when you've got a clear light of sign, a sight, or you've got three defenders, most XG models will have the same value for the shot. They will. It'll be about eight eight percent. You and an extra generic XG model, it'll be about eight nine percent. Whereas Strata bet, it could be a four percent chance, or it could be a fifteen seventeen percent chance. You know, depending on you know. And there was an absolutely essential date post from uh, a Twitter guy called at eighty five points on this, uh, and it's one of the best, most important blogs uh, of, of, of last year, which was. The differences in defensive pressure and what it means for shot values and expected goals. It's tremendous. Um, now I wanted to move on a bit onto before we go into analysis. I just wanted to put to get. I wanted to ask, say, Brundish because I think he's the most famous one on this because he's put stuff on on his Twitter feed about getting ready for UP. So Brundish, can you just give us an overview at your sheet about your sheets and how you put them together and your data? Yeah, it takes forever. Um, so we set up every year. I uh, This time of year, I ask you what you want in a sheet, and you tell us you're going to tell us, and you never do. And so this is the big sheet that I collect of all of the data I can imagine. Last year, we split it up so we don't have team data. Any- I don't collect team data anymore, just individual event data for, uh, for us, for Liverpool uh, and Liverpool's players. Um, and I will collect all of the general Opta stuff that we do. Let me just get one of those sheets up. Um, so it would be, I start off with minutes, touches, recoveries, completed passes, missed passes, successful crosses, all of that kind of stuff. Um, then a little bit of stuff that doesn't generally get published. Completed final third pa- final third passes, we, we talk about that stuff, but then passes into the box, touches into the box, dribbles into the box. Um, which provides a little bit more context than uh, than is normal. Um, big chances and created assists, pen wins, hockey assists. That's something that we do that nobody else seems to. Somebody calls it. I don't. Does anybody actually collect that? The you're same? the only one. Who, I've, you're the only person I've ever heard talk about passes into the box. I don't. I don't know anybody who else who gets it. All no, right. And yeah. dribbles into the box. Is that on your report from Opta? Yeah, it's one of those things that I think is important. I don't know. So we talk it about is, it. It is. Time. It is. But I, don't, I just don't I believe talk. it. I can't believe anywhere else has got I it. Weird. Uh, and then you know, possession, loss, dribbles, failed dribble, shots off target, on target, all that stuff. Big chances, big chances missed. Goals. Also, one of the things we look at is uh, equalizers and go-ahead goals. So we can look at, we can start to quantify. Um, and and count up like who is who is making the important contribution that game breaking goal rather than just a pa- who's a stat padder that's generally where these stats come from you know hockey assists we started to collect uh, the beginning of two seasons ago because uh, Lalana L- 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 people people were making excuses for Lalana's L- 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 poor performance 
that in a way that we would see objectively his his metrics suggest that he was poor um and lots of people saying he makes the pass before the assist so you don't count it well we do count it now so that's where that one of those things comes from and passes into the box was one, was one of those things that came from there and the important goal is is one of those things that that came is is um myth debunking but I, I find them fascinating and whether anybody else does, I've no idea. Um, then we have distance and then gags is pressing, fail pressing, XG shots, uh, XG assist, XG chain, XG build up. And, and can I just that, say, this is for every single match, people. Every, <laughs> every single match. So we yeah. also, we've got, and he's got about four shots, sheets. And everyone just says, where do I find this? Say, and it's, it's in the sheet. Which sheet? Uh, there's only uh, there's only six of them, and they've all got different links, and they're, they're, <laughs> and they're all absolutely enormous. Jesus, yeah, you absolutely need to, enormous. You, um, you, and, and there's no user guide, people. <laughs> <laughs> so so each so how we collect it is how I collect it is each match has its own sheet, uh, and each sheet feeds into the squad page, so that we can then go. It breaks down into uh, Premier League or Champions League. I don't bother with cups, but sometimes gags makes me. Um, but I think we've got enough data, and then from then we it, it, it goes into a, a separate page, um, which is for like top scorers or most minutes, or which then feeds into the fatigue index page as well, um, which is an entirely different sheet. So we so we can normalise by per ninety because uh, we collect every minute that is played uh, as opt to do, but for some reason the world only looks at ninety minute games. Um, when the average was 95, point, 95 minutes and four seconds last season. Um, but I want, you know, I, I think it's fair to use every, utilize every minute that actually gets played on the pitch per pass and rather so than making it up. People are, people are now feeling sorry for you, Sal. I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> so just, just to give you a thing, Rosie, you do, you do, you do a fairly cut down. Uh, mm -hmm. A cut-down version. You've got your own sheet, which mainly shots-based ones, yeah. Yeah, well, I've got uh, I've got about four different bookmarks for size infamous sheet, and it's fantastic when I get access. But when <laughs> I want to the reason there are so many links is because um, the original link got the, the data got changed because somebody pressed the space bar or press return. At it, was roadsy. it was roadsy. It was roadsy. It was. Yeah. It took me like three months to find out the error and the, why the, the numbers no longer matched up. And it was like right in a way there was a wrong cross here or there and, and the row changed or something. So, so I kept having to change the, um, the, the whole sheet, revert it back to a different one and then redo a whole uh, match page. So it, it ended up being a different link. Yeah. Sheet sure. politics. Listeners don't want to hear sheet politics. <laughs> But yeah, um, mine's mine's a lot easier. I get all the XG, Kaylee, uh, five thirty eight understat, um, and fantasy football scout, which is the opt to feed. I get all them, um, make a, a non penalty XG average total for the teams, and then just collect. So that from that you get the shot quality when you when you divide it by the total shots. Uh, shots you put some match, don't you? Match and yeah, team level in, match, yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all t it's all team level, especially I do. Um, and as we we've discussed with Sai before, we probably need to. I probably need to do Sai's job really, and we'll have one for UP, which is on Google, so we can all access it properly. But yeah, uh, I do the big chances, um, touches in the box. I I, I don't do shots on Tiger, which is 
I never understood why that is. Stupid, stupid, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'll have to add that. But, yeah, it's a lot less intensive than that. And that's basically because Fantasy Football Scout have got it. But if we add his own, because there's extras there that Sai adds, the value comes from. And when we get it, it's, it's ideal. It's a lot more informative. It's just slow. Numbers are slow. Yeah, it is. So, um, just I think to wrap up from my perspective, um, pressing gags. I take your just so what, what I do with, uh, with with your stuff is uh, gags sends me the match pressing in a comma separated file, which will be anywhere between say eighty and three hundred rows. Actually, did we get over three hundred last season, gags? That we did, didn't we? Loads. Three, yeah, yeah, three hundred and sixty was it or something yeah. in the end? So between that and then there's about fifteen pieces of data on, on that record. I take that, I import it into into the, into a master file of all pressing, which we currently got. I think I, last time I checked it was seventeen thousand rows, in, and that was just for clock. Holy shit! <laughs> seventeen thousand pressed actions, uh, and then. Um, Put it in there, and then I do. And in within, I have a team page again. Um, I have um, player summary pages. I have um, metrics pages, basically all working off that off that raw data, which is provided by Gags in a, in a comma separated file. And to be honest, Gags, I think um, this has been such an in depth dive. It, it, it was meant to be more of a high level analytics one hundred and one <laughs> overview. Um, it's turned into a, a into a properly deep dive. Um, and but we have finished data collection, um, and we got a whole. We got two parts still to go, which is data analysis and then data presentation, which we're gonna. And I think well, I think we should have to reconvene um, next week to to do part two of this. And 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 the key one I think for the listeners is the errors, the key pitfalls when interpreting data, because we've we've talked about all these sources of presentation and collection. Yeah, it's the pitfalls that people often fall into. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and we we'll, we'll cover it on that. So, we, but as well as presentation, it's all that we have, interpretation and how to use and make it useful and make it understandable as well when, we, when we're talking about on on the podcast. So, yeah. So, um, if you like this, give us your feedback. Get us into, uh, at us on the account. At us, um, mention it. Uh, get some discussion going in the Facebook group. Uh, and remember, if you can run the hundred meters in less than twelve point five seconds, then let us know. Uh, we will give you a shout out. <laughs> so I I certainly can't. <laughs> I can't. I definitely. If, if you happen to be under, under twenty years of age, I will put you in touch with a good coach. There you go. There you what's go. What's your PB for hundred meters? Eleven uh, seven. Ooh. Ah, not wow. a forty-three. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it's I like know. 19 now, but it was it was 11.7. It's just, it's just one of those things you remember. I was at college. Yeah, badge of honour. Okay, and on that note, we'll be back after this uh, short break. Hi, Jan. How are you? Um, is everything okay? Yeah, absolutely, Gags. Everything is fine. But you know what? I'm hearing you've got a special offer for Anfield Index Pro. Is that so? Yes, absolutely, and we've got your weekly show, Moby on the Spot, the popular stat show, Under Pressure. Post-match Raw is now back, and loads of other shows available at our lowest price ever. Go on then, Gax. How cheap is that? Get this, mate, get this. It's absolutely free for seven days, and then only thirty-nine ninety-nine for a whole year. 
New users can now sign up and access everything at AnfieldIndexPro.com. I have to say, Gax, that is incredible news. i got to go. Where are you going? Well, to be fair, I need to go and tell Rushy about this offer. <laughs> Thanks. Whilst you're there, please let Rushy know that we accept all major credits and debit cards via the website. And not only that, we've now added PayPal too. And if you want an app option, then via iOS, you can purchase AI Pro through an in-app purchase. Jan? Jan? Okay, thanks for listening to that first part this is a bumper bumper edition of under pressure like i said at the start uh this is the second part of the special analytics part of back you know going into the background of what we do on the ai under pressure podcast on anvil index pro remember if you want to check that out make sure you do you know go to our website and sign up anvilindex.com forward slash join and uh, you get a free week trial as well so you know make sure you do check it out and Special offer as well in August to thirty nine ninety nine, which is very very cheap. It's at a three pound thirty three a month. Once you get on that deal, you'll stay on it forever as long as you don't cancel. So, take advantage. Here is the second part of the Under Pressure Special Analytics Podcast. The really interesting stuff, which is okay. The laborious stuff is collecting it. The fun stuff is analysing it and presenting it. So, um, let's start with the data analysis. Um, and we're going to start with the um, the basic analytics and the measures. So we create, we collect, we collect data, we collect up to data, we collect counting data, we collect physical data, we collect pressing data. But that data on its own, you don't want to present. You you don't you don't want to, the last thing you want to be do it, it be doing is presenting data back to an audience. You want to be presenting information um, because information tells you things that you need to know or helps some people understand. So. We, we, we do everything we can to translate that data into information, which is usually in the form of analytics and measures. So the first one I'm going to talk about is per 90, per 90 stats. So we take um, up to provide raw data and we take per, we create everything into per 90. So why do we do that, Rosie? Well, it, it wasn't. It wasn't that popular, was it, Dan, initially? And I, I nope. remember it was either you or Ben Pugsley were the first I saw start using per 90 stats. Um, it might have been you in a Tonkin's Times article. I can't remember, but it, it, yeah. it's just so important because you can look at two players' contributions in, against each other, so goals, assists, shots, and the, it might look like one player is massively ahead. But if you look at the minutes they've played, and it, it completely changes the context. And if you divide that by 90 to give you the same figure for both, so you're just you're normalizing it, so you've got the same contribution over a minute basis rather than a games and a totals. And totals are dis- deceptive because people go off at half time, people get subbed after 60 minutes, and that builds up over a sample. So converting it to per 90 just gives you an objective figure for all players. With, and it just puts it in context. Absolutely. And as we always like to say on the show, context is king because data without context and information without context means very little. Um, and Sai, I mean, does, is, is anything that we the measure, the data that we do collect, is it pretty much everything gets converted to per 90 or would you say it's just the, the, the select stuff that we want, the most important stuff? What do you, what do you usually convert to per 90 stuff? Oh, literally everything on the sheet gets gets converted to per ninety. 
So I will aggregate totals, will aggregate per 90. I don't use per game at all. But, um, but yeah, you, if you want to compare against, so we want the context of previous performance, don't we? But then we also want context of their peers. So all of the other data sites collect, uh, all of them um, display per 90 for, I don't know, uh, David Silver or De Bruyne or Jack Wilshire. Um, so we want to compare our players to their players, uh, and and that's the context of it per ninety. Because you can't compare per game, because then yeah. what happens if sixty eight? What happens if it's Lallana in the season before he signed for us when he came off seventeen times during that during that season? Are we comparing yeah. his? It doesn't make sense. Just well, and, like, and you get like, quite often right, players who come on fifteen times as substitute in a season. You know, for like the last five minutes. Yeah, exactly. We collect that data as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's all about benchmarking, um, comparison, and, 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 and context. And we'll pretty much we'll we'll put the ex- we'll put the expected goals per ninety. We'll do the expected assists per ninety. We do expected goals and expected assists per ninety for like an expected goal involvement. We'll do shots per ninety. You know, and then we know. But the other thing is, we know what by doing it per nineties, um, you can then do all sorts of deeper analysis on it, advanced analysis, fancy analysis. And then you can understand what good looks like and what bad looks like. And you can say, well, you know, let's take shots is, is, is one of the most common ones we talk about. One of the, if, if you've got a, a striker shooting above four times per match, we know that is he, we can call him a high volume shooter because empirically taking more than four shots in a 90 minute game is a lot for a strike for any striker. And there's a very few select strikers who get above that level. And, you know, when we can say that Something like Daniel Sturridge, and this, let's talk about Sturridge for a bit, actually, because we've we've had some run-ins with um, data providers over Sturridge, haven't we, Sai? On on from this from 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 AI on yeah, yeah, because <laughs> there was this thing, there was a ridiculous thing, wasn't there, um, a year ago or so? So and and it basically just put totals, didn't it? Total minutes, or to, it wasn't even total minutes; it was total shots, total passes, total goals, or whatever. And it compared Sturridge with somebody completely like like Firmino or something like that, who played like five times as much. Yeah, and it was over a period of time since Firmino arrived that, that Sturridge had played this many minutes. Uh, but they kind of ruled out the minutes. But Sturridge had played this much. Uh, Firmino played this much. But but Sturridge had, had this many shots, this many goals, this many assists, whilst Firmino had, a, had, had yeah. this. And it was something like 6,500 minutes against 1,800 minutes. Yeah, and it, was, it, was, it wasn't it some of Sky Sports as well, yeah. did it? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and, yeah. and it just, it just what's the point, other than to try and... You're using some bad stats to try and make a banter, banter suggestion or banter point about storage, aren't you? That, that was all they were trying to do. What's the point? But Apart from in, banter, of course. In, uh, in context of media coverage around soccer data, soccer, I can't believe I said soccer, football data, um, the, <laughs> it's a tradition to use totals. That's what they've always done. I think it's only recently that we've started to see people use the Penina. And it, and I think it's still quite rare, but Sky Sports do tend to do that now, especially on the main coverage on the games. Keys, uh, keys with Sky is that is their um, is their whole big money making arm of Sky Bet. They they need to develop this whole per ninety thing because it gives them a whole extra stream of gambling. So it's it's kind of it's kind of leaked more into uh, their. Analysis or their commentary much more on Sky Sports News, really. To be fair, they, they will mention a per ninety thing more if if because it's an extra stream for their betting. 
And I think that's a very interesting point, actually, Sai, because I think one thing to point out to the listeners is just how much of what we do in public today has got its origins in stuff that's been done by the betting industry for some absolutely, time. Absolutely. And the, the, these kind of, this is the kind of underlying analysis that, that the betting companies were doing with the data a long, long time ago. Brian, so, that, Brian's owner, Brentford's oh, owner. Yeah, Matthew, Matthew, what's his face? Uh, Matthew um, Benham. Matthew Benham, yeah. Sports odds, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, and, and the, uh, owner of Brighton is Tony something, and he was, again, betting. It's just, it, it, that's exactly where it's come from. It's, it's yeah. been amplified now by fantasy. Yes. Yeah. And, and the money making of fantasy football. So it's, it's, it's permeating the general, um, you know, societal knowledge base because of consciousness. Because of the, yeah, they're, they're conscious because of, uh, uh, fantasy football. I, I saw exactly the same stuff happen in American sport. Yeah, but it all helps people become form- more familiar with key what we what we have as key 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 measures and key analytics now. And yeah, people, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, and people, and it it gives, gives people the opportunity to see a different thing. So uh, see things from a different perspective. So it adds value to their to to their lives if if they literally can make money out of it. And how about, um, and I think there's one important thing to make is, is, is that with team and player, the player stuff will pretty much get normalized down into per 90s. But, you know, with teams, we'll probably just end up talking about per match totals with teams if we break it down. Cause, you know, it, it doesn't make any difference at that level with a team. So I think that's one point. That's what's probably one important distinction between team and player level metrics. It's crucial. Yeah. Um, okay. It's crucial. Yeah. And just in case anyone's listening, don't use totals for players to say something anymore. Never. Yeah. There was, there was still stuff last, last, last year on the fan sites. There was Liverpool fan sites with like, right, they're, they're putting these things like in November time, like Jordan Henderson made the most passes in the league, the highest, the most this, that, most that. And I, yeah, and, and he looked at it, he played like the third most minutes of any player and things like that. So it just makes no sense. There was a per- perfect example, um, uh, during the World Cup final. Uh, that Modric had run the most, um, had covered the most distance of any player at the World Cup. Well, he was in the World Cup final, so that gives him a good start over <laughs> over <laughs> the tournament. <laughs> yeah, he played yeah. games. He's only competing with like two two percent of the players that have played in the tournament. They have played the whole tournament. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so exactly. What, and he played in every match. Yeah. So what? Yeah. So what he should have said was. They should have said, of the players of France and Croatia, Croatia has the highest total distance of anybody in the tournament. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. Modric, but Modric was 23rd per 90. Well, there you go. Which is, not, which is nothing special. If he was number one per 90, people might be thinking, oh, holy crap, not only is he amazing on the ball, but he's amazing off the ball as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Well, that's that. That was the narrative that they were painting. That he is this good, and he he physically is this monster as well. Which yes. he's not bad. I'm not saying he's bad, but I'm just saying it was just bad use of the data. Yes, exactly. Okay, so now onto something else, which is really important if you get into, if you're just starting out with this thing, and that is quirks with the opters op, with opted data that you might not know about. Now, last week, we, we did touch a bit on definitions and opt-to-definitions, what they are. Now, the most important thing with opt-to-data, which you might not be aware of, is that some things that get pushed out are not discrete. 
they're not discrete counts of information they are composites so they will now there's some very good examples of this right a discrete measure which something which is completely counted on its own and with no outlet no overlap with anything else will be something like interceptions so number of interceptions a player gets per match and that doesn't count that doesn't overlap with anything else Whereas something like touches, which we, we love touches because it's, it's the sum of all a player's ball events, but it's exactly that. It's the sum of all his ball events. So it's the, sorry, to help me out, it's the sum of his passes. It's the sum of his shots. It's the sum of his... Dribbles, take-ons. Yes. Every Tenders, time he receives balls. balls. Yeah. yeah, every That's tackle, great. every time he shoots, every time he dribbles, every throw-in, all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So... And so what it is... What it isn't is physical contacts with the ball. So if Lalana holds the ball for five touches and then makes a pass, that's not six touches. That's one. Yes. Yeah. Whereas people think it's literally the number of times he physically touches the ball with his foot. Yeah, exactly. Not. No. Yeah, that, that's a quite for for beginners. It's that's a quite assumption. a common. Yeah, it's it is a fair assumption, assumption as well. Touches is yeah. as a, as a definition of a word means touches so it's a fair assumption to think it's the amount of times it touches the ball yeah whereas it means it, it, it should be possessions or yeah. ball events yeah. yeah yeah exactly um so now one of the biggest the, the best examples to use um for complexities in the opta data is passes so <clears throat> opta have the the event in opta languages is, is the pass they count everything to do with passes, but there are many qualifiers to it which go against the pass. So <clears throat> things like throwing. Now, um, so throwing is and a kickoff. Now they are counted as passes in the opta data. So when you, the, which positions take the most throw-ins in a game of football? The fullbacks. So if you are playing it, if you're playing a stop-start game against a team who who has the ball in playtime is relatively low, chances are your fullbacks are going to see 20 to 30% of their total passes as throw-ins. It can be that high. And these are the kind of things that if you were kind of looking at, trying to look at a fullback and look at his touches, look at his passes, then the first question I, I would say to you is, well, how many of those are throw-ins? So these are the kind of things that you kind of, you need to get to the stage where you okay, well, let's look at the passes without the throw-ins. And then you can maybe normalize it then against players who play in the center of the pitch rather than for players who play on the flank like the fullback. Now, there's a number of other, there's loads of different, different types of passes. We've already touched on some guys. So let's, let's, let's talk about some of the other ones where the passing, passing data is not as simple as it seems. Rhodesy, let's come to you first. Some of the things you, on passes, which you completely overlap with everything else. So what, like goal kicks? Like yeah, that's a good one. Free goal kicks, kick. corners. Yeah, corners, crosses. Through, through balls, cutbacks. Yeah. Opta's got a, an absolute list of different passes that they've got. Launches, yeah. layoffs. And they're all, um, they're all, they're all qualifiers within the event. So a yeah. pass. And they're and not then, used enough. Yes. And they can also have things like whether the pass as well was off the ground, whether it was um, on the floor, whether yeah, it was long, pass, yeah. whether it was short, whether what the direction, whether it was forward or it was backwards, whether it was sideways, whether it, you know. And there, there were there were literally so many nuances with passing data in through the zones of the pitch as well. Yes, yes. So now, there's, there's a geographic thing in, involved in that as well. 
Now, one really, that's a really good one. So what one of the biggest things you have to learn about optozoans, Sai, is what they mean. So when we say, we often talk about final third passing, don't we? It's one of our favorite things because it indicates sure. dominance. It can indicate dominance. But what does that mean? What is the important thing that people need to know about final third passing, Sai? It's about where the ball ends up rather than where the ball is kicked from. I don't know if that's so, what you're after, but but like is, a goalkeeper, a goalkeeper creates a, can can make a final can make probably eight final third passes. Casper Spiegel, Bignley can't possibly, but everybody else does. Um, and yeah. it's just the ball where wherever the final, where wherever the ball is received, basically. Yeah. So somebody like Casper Michael, who regularly launches the ball 80, 90 yards for Leicester because he can, and Leicester quite play quite direct style. He will have a lot of final third passes. Even though you wouldn't necessarily, you know, say Leicester, and he his figures can be quite a high percentage of Leicester's passes. So, <clears throat> what it's much more harder to get hold of is passes which originate in the final third, and maybe where their destination is in the final. That's a that's a whole different ball game. I mean, do you know anybody where, the, for example, that does that? Say, I can't think of any. No, we do it. <laughs> we might not even realise we do it, but we do it. Um, uh, it's, it's it's collected, but it's collected manually. I, I don't know. I don't know anywhere else that that you can just siphon that from. Yeah, but if, if you're looking at passing zones, it's a really important one to think about. Is is what are you trying to what are you trying to say by using passing zones in a in a in an analysis piece? You know, because when you, you you've got to you've got to bear in mind that it's, when it says attacking half, the destination is that the the destination of the pass is the attacking half, even if it's unsuccessful. If it's final third, the destination is in the final third. If it's defensive third, the destination of the pass is in the defensive third. So Absolutely. that's a, yeah, that's always something you've got to think about. Okay, let's think about another one. Roti, set plays. Why is why is a set plays tricky with Optidata? Because it includes everything. Um and and corners and um, goal kicks. Yeah, throw ins, goal kicks, penalties. They all get lumped together. Direct free kicks, yeah. Yeah. Indirect free, free kicks. kicks. Yeah. They all kick off no, not kick offs. But it just it all gets lumped together. So it's it's a nightmare. So and then, but if you create a, if you create a chance direct from if Kasper, keep on Casper's Michael if he launches the ball eighty yards and it goes directly to Jamie Vardy having a shot he will get a chance created but it will down as a set play chance created. Yeah, oh and and these are the nuances again, but people would have to realise. And when you're looking at set play chances and set play shots, it will include penalty kicks unless you specifically look for penalties and how many penalties have been attempted and taken in that match and then take them out. And then it will include corners. It will include short corners, which result. Now, sorry, do you well, want to explain? This is, this is a website-specific uh, thing, thing as well, that some websites yeah. use penalties, yeah. some don't, and none of them advertise it. So... It's one of those one of those added quirks that you can be looking at at some data. This goes across lots of different events, to be fair, and yeah. uh, three different sites that will have slightly different data. Yeah, and it's, you have to figure out for your experience then what the way which we, each site does it. Sure, we I think we do do that, don't we? Like, oh yeah, yeah, we know that for our experience. We go to specific it, yeah. sites for specific purposes, yes. but if you're just like if you just use Squawker. You're an idiot. But if you just use Squawker, or, or if you just use Scored, <laughs> your your the data you're going to get is probably going to 
not yeah. necessarily be flawed, but it's not going to be comparable to or to the to somebody else that's using um, uh, specific Optidata or fancy football scout. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to be very careful using Hoosguard to get their data because the different sections of the site are split and give you options for ninety. Some don't, so you might you might be copying and pasting off one section when you need to be on the detailed bit where they give you per ninety option. It's got to be so careful with different sites. Yeah. All the stuff from Fantasy Football Scout is penited. And and that, and that's one the ultimate reason why we're talking or going on and on and on about this is if you want to make comparisons and if you want to do analyses, you need to make sure, damn sure, that you are comparing apples with apples. You're not comparing apples with oranges. Because just I to just, add a strand that's absolutely right, Doc, but to add a strand to this to how much work we do, because the whole per ninety thing, and we collect actual minutes rather than 90 minutes for a game, which is what you would get off off the football site. Apart from uh, there was one site that started this season to use up to 93 minutes. Um, but if we play 98 minutes during a game, um, then our players have run nine, have, have covered 98 minutes in the game uh, in our in our database. Um, so what I've been doing is w- through historic data through for everybody else and for for um seasons that we haven't covered in our database i add six percent to total time yeah you make so an assumption yeah. normalize up to our levels yeah and one of the biggest um the biggest sites guilty of that is transfer marked so if you are a, if you are a player starting every match in a season like a goalkeeper on transfer marked in the premier league it will show you 3420 minutes played which is 38 games times 90 minutes what it should be doing is giving you 38 games times all the individual counts past 90 minutes. So it should be more like 3,550 or 3,600 minutes. 3,610, yeah. Whereas if you come on as a substitute in transfer marked, it counts your minutes as a substitute from the moment you come on to the, including injury time. It's really weird the way they do it. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's just the way it is. But again, you wouldn't know that necessarily unless you, unless you went down and deep dived into the data. And if you if you if you're bothered like us about data accuracy and making sure we try and get apples with apples, um, one. F- yeah, just asking them. Did you? Was this something you learned at uni or something? Or was it? Because I've only learned, ever learned all the stuff that you're talking about now through people like yourself, through people on Twitter, through learning off people. Where, well, where did you learn these? Well, I'm, 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 I've been a I've, I've, I've been a, a data analyst professionally and yeah, been paid yeah, yeah. as my day job for a long time. And you know, and it's one of the things that you, you just you start off very early on. You need to be. It's all about you live and die by the accuracy, you, the, 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 the the accuracy of your data, and the the robustness of your analyses. And 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 they're the key things. If you if you if you want to have a credible reputation, you have to do it. Otherwise, you'll just you say. You know, well, look at this. Look at the, the way you use your data was so sloppy. Look at this. It's got, look, it's got a when, big margin of yeah, and things like that. So you when, have to when, get. When I first started using EPL Index, I was a big tools man. Terrible. Yeah. I was using tools to just. But it's a journey. All the time. Yeah, I know. And just for listeners who haven't even started that yet, this is where you're starting from a, a much higher ceiling than those who per 90 wasn't about when I first started looking at football there. True. And I, I see one other one I just wanted to give them a quick because it's a great one is, is, is tackles and duels. Now, one of our favorites actually lauded us the heavens last week is, um, Statzone. But Statzone did something really weird about two seasons ago with their tackles and, and they could, they could basically combined it literally from what's the end of one season to the start of the next. They combined it, didn't they, Rosie, with, they combined tackles with dribble pasts to make some kind of composite metric. Yeah. 
and yeah. they didn't tell anybody. Yeah, and everybody was cool. thinking. Everybody was thinking. Why is why 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 is um who why is why is Statzone showing forty percent more tackles for all players this season? You know, yeah. and that happens from time to time. And one of the things is when you see a big leap in the same category from season to season, there's a possible. You ask the question: Have they changed the measuring stick? Because it's possible, and these things happen from time to time. There was about five years ago. There was a huge, a huge decline in through balls because Opta changed their definition of how they collected through balls. They they were they were far more strict on what they what they generated. So if you were comparing David Silver 2011-12 with David Silver 2013-14, it looks like he much made many more through balls in in 11-12 when he probably didn't. But the problem was Opta changed their measure, so it makes these things really hard. Um, Tackles. The definition of a tackle is one of the most under under is one of the most least understood definitions of all optometrics. So my recommendation for this was disregard tackles because they're stupid anyway. Can I just explain why? The, 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 the exact the exact definition is a tackle is defined as where a player connects with the ball in a ground challenge where he successfully takes the ball away from the man in possession. A tackle one is where a tackler or one of his teammates regains possession as a result of that challenge, or the ball goes out of play and is safe. A tackle lost is where a tackle is made, but the ball goes to an opposition player. So you can win a tackle, get the ball, but it deflects to an opposition player, and you get a tackle lost. Just imagine that great Robbo tackle in the box in in Champions League final but um, the ball bobbles off the shin of, of Ronaldo and then goes out. Because we won the goal kick, that would be a tackle lost. Yep. yep. It's, just, it's just totally misunderstood. So, yeah, either go with volume or disregard, I say. I know Dan might have a slightly different opinion, but I, I'm of that now. For what? For tackles? For, for tackles. It's so, it's, so it's, used um, to, it's used to define a good defensive performance. And because of well, how it's how it's broken down, because of how you know th- those three definitions are basically one of the same thing, and then it just depends on what happens to the ball because you're not really in control of you know winning a tackle and keeping the ball yourself is is an absolute skill that very few have got. But people win tackles all the time, but they get put down with tackle one or tackle loss depending on randomness. Yeah, and um, obviously with with tackle one and tackle lost, I mean, there's different ways of looking at it. If the tackle you're doing ends up in a foul, then there's no tackle stat given at all. It's going as a foul one and a foul conceded, you know. And then, but if you if you if you slide in, win, dispossess the opponent, but it goes to a teammate, the opposition player will get a dispossessed against him, and the other guy will get a recovery. So it's it's really weird. It's it's you know the, the the nuances of how they measure turnovers and all the various turnovers within the game that it takes a huge amount of understanding. Um, I think they've got their initial definitions wrong, but it's too late to change it. It is too late to change because, as we said, they'd have to change the measure stick here. Okay, so let's move off that basics. That was the basic stuff, guys. That was the basic. (laughs) So answer the fancy stuff. So there are more advanced measures, as you might expect. Um, So fancy, fancy. We call them fancy stats. Uh, It's an an Americanism, Um, but based on the based on that raw up to data. 
and these are used for ver- these are used for various different ones. Now, Rosie, I'm going to come to you and ask you ask you for some ba- you know some of the more introductory level fancy stats. What you know, some of the ones well, that you used. Total shots ratio was. Uh, I think James Grayson was the first person I ever saw use it. And it came it, from it, America. It came from, from ice hockey. Yeah, little. it did. Yes, and it's just it just. I'll give you an example. Say Man City have twenty shots. Newcastle have ten. Um, it's a ratio, so T- City's TSR, uh, total shots ratio for that would be 0.67 and Newcastle's with 0.33 because Newcastle have had two-thirds of the shots in the game. Uh, Newcastle have had one-third of the shots and Man City have had two-thirds. That's the basic. Yeah. And and by extension of that, we've got shots and target ratio, which is exactly the thing, same thing, but yeah, only for the shots goals and ratio, Expected goals ratio is another one that's come about. Yes. Now, the reason why something like shots and target ratio is important is for before expected goals, shots on target ratio was widely acknowledged as the best single basic measure of team quality because if you can have lots of shots on target at and the other predi- end... And predictive and, as well, initially. It was a, a yeah, predict- extreme, it's very strongly predictive of team quality, yeah. Um, even after as little as 10 games of the season. If you can... can, if you can um, have a lot of shots on target yourself and restrict the opposition's shots on target, that is that is the best indicator of team quality because um, the further you are away from goal, the less likely you are to get the shot on target. So you, shots, on, shots on target are also implicit with shots closer to goal as well. So that, that's, that, that's the, you know, obviously it's not completely, it doesn't hold completely true, but um, that, that's the reason why shots on target is a very good basic measure. So if you if and we know things like if you get above seventy percent of shots on target, seventy percent shots on target ratio, you are an extremely high quality team because you do control the shots on target at both ends of the pitch. Most tile winners are around that. Yes, yes, that's a that's a very good point. Yeah, and, and sometimes even higher than Man City's this season. I think it was about seventy five percent, which okay. or seventy seven, which is just unprecedentedly uh, and high. Um, now. <clears throat> Based on all variations of TSR and shots and target ratio are um, save percentage, shooting percentage, and scoring percentage. Now, um, these are basically um, how many how many of your shots on targets uh, you score, and then also for save percentage, how many of the opposition's shots on target you save, and it's it's the it's the proxy for activity in the box and it's how good you are in both boxes so you want basically to save a lot of the opposition shots on target if you can and then you want to score as many of your own as yourself and um <clears throat> the composite measure of uh save percentage and shooting percentage is is, is is something called pdo which is one of my all-time favorite uh fancy stats because it's incredibly powerful not in a predictive way but in a way of explaining what has recently happened over the last five to ten games so what happens with PDO is it doesn't mean anything. PDO is just the, the, the it's just the initials. This is one you know. Last week, Rosie, you asked, um, "What's the most common question you get asked?" Yeah, I think, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. What's PDO? <laughs> so PDO doesn't mean anything. Uh, it's the, it's the initials. Way more than me. <laughs> yeah, it's the initials of the guy who invented it. And again, it's a nice hockey thing. And what you do is you add together the save your save percentage for and then your shooting percentage and when if you if you look at all the teams in a league, the PDO, the average PDO for all teams is is one because all shots on target have to equal out. 
from or they're either a goal or a save. Um, and so across the whole league, the PDO is one. Now, um, for, 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 for purposes of presentation, that you everything you multiply you multiply the percentages by a thousand so the the basic pdo becomes one thousand and what you say is that one thousand is the baseline and then you can look at everything above one thousand is an overperformance which the proxy for that is you've had a lucky run in in and a, either a good slash lucky run and if you're below a thousand uh you it's it's a bad slash unlucky run now, what's your what's your range for randomness so eleven hundred <clears throat> Yeah, it's, it's it's between nine hundred and eleven hundred is 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 accepted as 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 normal ranges of variation that you're going to go through, but if you are below nine hundred PDO or above eleven hundred PDO for an extended run of games, ten games or more, twelve games, that will indicate one of two things. If you're below nine hundred, it will in, indicate a freakishly bad run of form where maybe you've just been um, hitting, you know, couldn't hit a barn door. You've had some outrageous bad luck. Some horrendous goalkeeping howlers. Yeah, got Mignolet. <laughs> <laughs> we've, had, we've had some shocking PDOs. <clears throat> yeah, but you'll be amazed. It's amazing how often a bad PDO coincides with a managerial sacking. So it's just yeah. a run of extreme bad luck in front of goal at both ends, uh, or bad, bad, bad luck, bad, bad quality. And at the other end, if you've got a PDO of over 1,100, it means you're hitting them in, they're flying in from all angles. Either that or you're benefited from a load of defensive mistakes at the other end as well. I bet Germany and Spain had bad PDOs at the World Cup. I bet you they did, Georgie. I bet you they did. Um, <clears throat> so, and then you can get, you, you can even do things like, you, you do see f- figures, PDO figures below 850, below 800 even, you know, above 1150, above, above 1200. And there was one, that, that, remember that period we talked about it forever on the show. There was the January, February 2016, and um, when we went for that horror run, our PDO over a 12-game stretch was about 830. Then it was just all—it was just horrific. That's what it looks like, people. A PDO of 830. I think, I think January, February 2016. That's what it feels like. <laughs> that's a, P, a PDO like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so I'm going to come to you for one of these because you. This is this is your baby. Um. Goal involvement. Why do we like goal involvement? From a purely analytic point of view, I'm not entirely sure we, how much we enjoy it, but I do think it helps to tell a story for um, for general population uh, consumption. Um, so it tells a bit more of a, a, a rounded metric than just uh, goal scoring. So we've evolved our goal involvement from... Uh, hopefully exclusively next season will be from uh, goals and assists. So minutes per goal and assists. So it's a direct, you're directly involved in, uh, in a goal through a pass or um, through the previous pass or the, the actual shot that ends up in the net um, per minute played. Um, for next season, hopefully we're going to just use big chance created. So we'll use goal scored and big chance created because um I'm not sure how. I think the biggest flaw in in the goal involvement is that the assist isn't necessarily qualitative. So uh, yeah. James Milner, if the two-yard pass, two pass back is somebody who blams it in from forty yards, isn't it? Exactly. What does that tell you? So um, yeah, uh, I think there's more value if we're tracking big chance creation. Yeah, great idea. Yeah. Um, Although keep yeah. But what the, the the big value I see is that we we have uh, assist data from 2006, so we've got 12 years 
um, of comparative data. We don't have big chance creation, creation from that. Yeah, no, we don't. Um, and it's worthwhile that most of you've done all your best attackers in Europe charts and your all-time attack- attacker stuff. And that's nearly always based on goal involvement, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there is no, you know, there's there's not a big enough sample size of anything else. No. And um, it passes the eye test. It does. But and it's not just and it's it, it you know obviously it's load laden at the best teams but not really that but the best attacking teams um so it's it's the reason I like goal involvement because because it's an indicator of productivity yeah yeah how productive a player is at the sharp end of the pitch where it really matters so so just for perspective Liverpool fans love Bobby why wouldn't you but up until last season so the previous season he had a goal involvement every hundred and fifty four minutes. Last season, every 91. Which is Don't tell me you couldn't see the difference. Yeah. He was a completely different player, and um, that kind of just shows how... It just quantifies how much more effective he was, much more productive he was. And so, so what's the best you've ever seen across the season? In your uh, uh, Messi's 47, I think. Yeah, forty-seven it's, minutes. The board yeah, bench yeah, every forty-seven. Are... He's got one every forty-seven, one every forty-nine. That was uh, off the top of my head. That was his peak year to it, which was twenty-four to twenty-five. So I can't remember what year that was. Was that when he got hundred goals and assists in a calendar year or something? Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Um. So we know some. We know what good looks like in terms of goal involvement, though, as well, don't we? Anything less than a hundred is pretty much, you know, is is elite. And anything less than seventy is, you know, it, it's going to be player, world class zone, yeah. world class player, play, you know, um, player of the season territory, yeah, kind of thing, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, yeah. But, um, I think I, I should have opened these things before, but I think Suarez had a fifty-eight goal involvement in in thirteen fourteen. Yeah, yeah, and then Storage probably had a one about eighty as well. No, um, yeah, Storage was seventy-one, I think. Wow, it's just amazing. And what was Salah? Can you remember? Salah last season, 67. And but, but Phil, before we sold him the first half of the year, was 74. 74, there you go. There you go. Phil, Phil was like hugely underrated last season. Yeah, he was our best player in the first half of the season. Yeah, I think he might have been top three or four players in the world last season. Total, at Barcelona as well. Yeah. And he wasn't bad for them after he signed, was he? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so... That's the fancy. That's the fancy stats. Um, so next one. This is your another one for you, Sai. The analytics you do on the physical data. Now you do. A, you've got your own pod, fatigue index. Yeah, and you've got, and you've got lots of, it bores you too too much to uh, for me to ramble on that much. Or not, you, I don't leave enough time for you to talk. Yeah, and you, but you've got a lot of measures you're using fatigue index. So do you want to give us in a quick overview of what they are? Kind of. So this, so we've talked about the physical stuff we use in, in UP, the running, sprinting, total distance, that kind of stuff. And there's going to be some new stuff coming for next season. We should talk for the World Cup in fatigue index. So uh, on ball, off, uh, in possession, out of possession, um, high intensity uh, running, all that stuff. We've, we already talked about that. Um, but fatigue index specifically is um, we plot uh, games against um, – Specific days. So next season, there are 286 days of this season. Entirely, we I would expect us to play four, 54 games would be the average. Uh, did we have 56 last season? Um, and so we've plotted specific dates out. So I know 
Um, the way sports science works is uh, game day plus one, game day plus two, game day plus three, and then it turns into game day minus one, minus two, minus three, leading into a game. So uh, there are specific recovery cycles after a game and then and then specific preparation cycles before a game. So you need four days of recovery. So we track um, days of full recovery. Um, a, a lot, a lot of fatigue index is literally just counting, counting data, counting stats, uh, ca- but counting specific data points of minutes played, um, against plotted against previous history of minutes played, uh, maximum and uh, median. Um, so we can see what a player has the capability of achieving physically and where they're currently at and the trajectory, the trajectory over the season where we can plot. Uh, the likelihood of them ending so up. Last, that's more like another benchmarking activity there. Um, benchmarking, wanna... like last season, um, our front three. So last season, Bobby was over a thousand minutes more than he'd ever played in his life. Um, Mane was twelve hundred more than he'd ever played in his life, and even Mo was was a couple of hundred more than he'd ever played in his entire career in a season. So yeah, there's the benchmarking stuff. Um, but then we also monitor the specific fatigue index, which is um, uh, the relationship between uh, chronic load, which is um, the current level um, of minutes a player is used to in a week period, right? So we plot that uh, over a three-week rolling average and look for any any spike in acute load. So the relationship between that the, this three weeks against the previous three weeks against the previous three weeks to that. And if there's a more than 30% increase in workload during that period, then that increases uh, 80% the likelihood of injury. So that's explicitly what um, the fatigue index is for. Brilliant. Brilliant. And I thought I should bring in press in a few here because it's, you, you do it's have... unique as well, just so everyone knows. Nobody, you can't get that anywhere. Well, it, all, it, all clubs do it, obviously. All clubs yeah, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no other podcast that that, that has a, uh, their own dickhead that does it for them. No, this is true. You are dickhead, Sly. <laughs> uh, no arguments from me. Definitely none from my wife. <laughs> um, just a bit on 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 the pressing is uh, we do all the penalty stuff with the pressing as well. We do the um, the total presses and. The um, pressing success rate, and also the high value presses, which is the the, the presses which lead to possession wins and shots. But the main one is is Papa, um, which is the, which is the chart we push out every every week with the every week with the um, the podcast. And Papa is one of the one of the ones we've developed again ourselves. Um, but the number of times Papa Papa passes the eye test is quite frankly remarkable, in my opinion. And I'll just blow my own trumpet here, but. Um, the reason, reason why, what, sorry, what is PAPA? PAPA is possession adjusted pressing actions. So what we, what we do is we compare every Liverpool performance, sorry, the current Liverpool performance against every other Liverpool performance. And in terms of PAPA, you break the match down into, you try to get six chunks of the match and, and you break it around key events, maybe like a red card or a goal. So, you know, instead of, you know, normally if there's 96 minutes in a match, the ideal would be to have three, six, 16 minute chunks. But if there's a goal after 14 minutes, you know, the first chunk will go up to 14 and then the next one right run a bit longer. But what you do is you <clears throat> you look at the number of pressing actions um, we've had in, in, that, in that period of the match and you look at how much of the ball we've had. And you do that in two ways. You look at the, you look at the share of possession that we've had 
then we also look at the amount of passes the opposition have made because there's a big opportunity there's a big relationship between how many passes the opportunity ma- I can't even get my words out how many passes the opposition make provides the opportunity for us to do our gegen pressing particularly the presses in their own half but not not no exclusive we can we can do it from opposition passing within our half as well and we we take all those things and we factor in so we we adjust the um we we adjust the present pressing actions by possession and we adjust them by opposition passes as well and then the papa chart is overall is a composite of um of the three of the, the, the two measures and we present it on a on, on, on a scale of zero to 100 which is a um it's a weighted percentile so a percentile is the um um how many if you get towards the 99th percentile this is like the top one percent of occurrences that we've ever seen so if you see with the red zone, we've got the red zone starting at uh, 70. So we've got 70 to 80, 80 to 90, 90 to 100, and, se- and reverse with the blue zones from 0 to 30. So when you, we're looking at above the 70th percentile and below the 30th percentile, and we just make that crude thing, of, you get hotter. T- as you get towards 100, you get hotter, and as you get towards 0, you get colder. And it's just to give you that, it'll try and give that some illustration about intensity and how much, how much, um, because we associate pressing, there's a there's a proxy that pressing equals intensity, and um, but it, it it does it does hold true though, doesn't it? Say like we 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 often say that the pressing activity will will match with the most periods of physical intense output like sprinting and um, and, and distance as well. So there is there is that there is that correlation, don't you think? Hundred percent. And next season we'll hopefully be able to see uh, the players that do the most when the opposition have the ball as opposed to when we have the ball and that will highlight the, that whole pressing thing as well just just to uh, add emphasis to to what Darth was saying um is the for the, the correlation of papa against um uh, some of the best work being done uh, out there by renowned um world class data analysts uh, it, it, it matches up, correlates beautifully with the with the stuff they're doing, and this is this is uh, stuff that's literally Darth done himself, invented himself for UP. Um, and one other slight thing is that uh, to dumb down the percentile thing is uh, if you had a baby, the little red book thing that has the yeah, you know, the weight and the height. So so if you're one, if if you plot plot at one percent, that means um, that. Only one percent of the population have had more uh, are, are bigger, and if you plot at fifty percent, then fifty percent of the population are bigger, and if you plot at ninety percent, only ten percent are bigger. So it works the same. The ninety uh, percent, only ten percent have ever uh, had had more. Ten um, percent of that have, have ever had more presses. That's what the percentile thing makes. Yeah, and I'm going off the red book. You know, if you go any and. We we got definitions of, of height and weight linked to percentile as well. So if you're over if you're over a certain height and you're in the top five, I think it's the top two percent, ninety eight percent or above, you're officially a giant. And if you're in the, yeah. the bottom two percent, I think you're officially a dwarf. Yeah. So yes, and things like that. Can I uh, just just blow the Papa trumpet as well? I think it's as good as it gets. Yeah. It just adds so much and gives us so much context on a really difficult thing to measure. Obviously, it's visual, so it doesn't it exist really without easy to understand. It doesn't exist without gags either, because we don't without that. No, and this is just the analysis on what gags produces. It's just, it's yeah. just, it's just another level, and, and we've tried to ask him to explain it to us in the uh, WhatsApp group as well. <laughs> 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 With great difficulty. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but it was worthwhile, actually. We, we, had, um, we had a listener of the show, uh, Dr. Stephen Vasey, or Professor Stephen Vasey, actually. Um, he's, he's Duke University in America. He helped us do some work over the summer, and we were looking at maybe ways to take um, PAPA to the next level with the things that we've got. And, you know, there are, there are ideas, but we're constrained by the data that we can collect, collect ultimately. But I think Stephen's, um, he, he was really helpful in what he did. If you're listening to Stephen, thank you. Um, but he, we basically, you know, he did endorse it, and it was great to get that kind of validation on on, on what we do. Is you know, it's 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 about as good as we can be doing with the data that we've got. Now, there's one big one I wanted to bring Gags in off mute to talk about because this is uh, this is this is this the final form of analysis, which is video gags. Come on, man, talk yeah. to me about video analysis and and the stuff that you did with Ad last summer and and have done since. So it's, I mean, it's it's the only way. You can't do it live. It's too hard to analyze something live. And then people that do it live are just machines. I think re-watching something, uh, it just brings clarity. I think one of the biggest things we learned, uh, Rosie, was uh, to leave... Before you jump in, what did yeah. you do, Gags? What, what did you actually get trained in? So it was just basically... It was stuff that we already knew, I thought, Rosie, wasn't it? We, we kind of knew, that, you know, that you have to go in and collect data and, you know, it's just basically setting up uh, data points and stuff like that. But we were already really doing a lot of that. But what it was is their software. The stuff that we did at this video analysis stuff was using their software, learning how to use their software. That was the, what was it called? Match analyst, I think, um, that basically going through all of their... It was Prozone, now called Stats, yeah. Yeah, and it was just using their different um, various tools and becoming, um, you know... That clubs use, that clubs use. And clubs use that, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, their, it's their tool, though, and the clubs use it. It's all about videos and how you can use different snippets. Pretty much like a lot of people that listen, maybe some may have access to Scout as well. So you can do little things like that and uh, go and pick and dribbles and whatever you can. But not only that, they had like um, maps and you could or do overlays and all these different little tricks and things like that that you could do with their, with, you know, their, it was actual bespoke software they've created for and, and sell, you know, access to. So it's totally different to what we do or what I do anyway with video analysis is, is watching the game back and plotting manually plotting data onto a pitch it's totally different i thought i mean someone's obviously doing that for them as well in the background but it's all yeah. automated things well, like the that. cameras do it for them <laughs> yeah exactly so it's, well, it's, you, it's you, easy. You, you became you you got uh, your entry level certificate or your, your your awareness level certificate in pro, you know being official pro zone yeah, user ma- didn't you yes all myself and rosie both got distinctions in all three levels within that week and it was it was rough rough week of work but it what was your pre- what was your project presentation gags rosie come on oh my Dive god on. you know what we, have to, know. we had to be southampton we had to oh right yeah van dyke <laughs> uh, and uh shane long yeah van dyke and shane long replacing to, the a player from who was uh, who was in france at the time, it might have been at Rent or, or Lens. I wonder how he did now. I wonder what he did this year. I went for Chris Smalling to replace Van Dyke. So it was It was basically, that was actually um, using the videos and stats available in their system to go and scout. So it was just going basically, that's right, data scouting. And then using the video analysis too, obviously, at the same time to provide your evidence and stuff. And then going through all that and saying, this is the closest matchup. And um, you could actually like pick 
attributes of uh, players and stuff. Or, or did you do that on Y Scout? Did you do that on Y Scout? Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I yeah, So we used what we did was we used different. And they said you could do what you want. You can use the stuff we got, or you can use what you've got. And what Y Scout does well, is it allows I, I said, you. I said to them, theirs was terrible too. <laughs> <laughs> but what does Y Scout do? It allows you to actually go and pick players with certain attributes and certain levels. And Rosie did this, and then it picked up players, and then we used a mix of. Well, you have to use their. Um, software to do the presentation obviously you can't use that but basically we were just using whatever we could to get the players that we wanted or we thought would match up and then use their tools to show how uh there's loads though we could, we did we did so i can't even remember what was the third one we did I, the biggest I'll one you, i'll give you an example about that well, why just to the listeners while you're thinking about that guys is the white scout stuff is um it's basically think about opt count all the data like so let's take, let's, let's take triples so we we know that most seller in the match against uh, in Champions League, uh, sorry, that's not Champions League finals, not good against Roma. <laughs> he made seven. Dri- he made seven dribbles right in the match. Yeah. Now, what Y Scout will do is they will isolate the five to ten second clip of video related to each of those dribbles and link it from the database. So, where the software will then say, "Okay, you select Mo Salah, you select Roma at home, you select dribbles, and then you see seven, and then you will have each of the each of the seven videos, so you can see all the seven events." That's basically how it works, isn't it, Rosie? That is exactly how it works. Um, and it's cut down into so many different kinds of attributes as well. It's also got another minefield of devin- definitions, Dan. Yeah, it's so different to Opta. So um, it, it, that's that's a, an annoying thing. But yeah, through, if you want to just look at the through balls, counterattacks, um, mistakes, lost balls, fouls, goals, everything that you want to do. And, you can, and then you can go in their complete career history of matches um, and look at, so if you want to look at how a player performs against the best teams in the league, you can just go back through their whole career and look at how they perform against top quality. Or if you want to see them against a low block, you can go and look at them just against low block teams. So you can pick all that out yourself. It's, it's just a great resource. And it's also not very expensive if, if you want to go into this kind of journalism. Brilliant stuff, guys. Right, so I'm going to go to the final section of the agenda, which is data presentation and also interpretation. So this is where the what we maybe think are maybe our value add, the, our biggest value add is that of all the all the experience we've got and all the things that we've learned is that we can interpret that data in a way which tells the story of a match and provides key information to the listener. So I'm going to start. There's a couple of things here. We we talk we do a lot of charts and images. I've already talked about Papa, right? But r- Brundish, you do loads. You probably do more than any. You probably do more than everybody else combined in terms of images and charts, right? So some of the favourite ones that you do, right, are heat maps, and the one you you show images of. What? Why? Why do you like heat maps? Why is a heat map so valuable? I think it like with uh, what you, what we do with Papa, it just um, it aggregates the data in a visual way so you can instantly see what 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 the position of a player or um the possession of the team and you can grab bits from who scored um so time sensitive stuff so so you can go like 10 minutes to 15 minute period and then we can look we can plot that with um our pressing or with big chances created and see where we had the ball at particular times or or where the influence of any player on the pitch um so we we tend to put the key um uh, heat maps directly into the into the sheet 
Um, your sheet, your match sheet, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 to, and, and where's the single best place to get heat maps in public? Yeah, Fancy Football say. Scouts. Uh, Fancy Football Scout, yeah. It is, and they got, they got, they probably got more than everybody else. They, they got, they, you can get heat maps of shots, tackles, of, dribbles, ball yeah. recoveries, possession wins, yeah, fouls. And I, th- I think, I think, the, I think the, the only word I was missing there, which I was hoping you were going to say, was because it's the tactic. It starts to bring into the tactical side, doesn't it? The heat yeah, maps. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Of, of course, it does. It underpins where where the data. Of, so you look at the data. It leads you in a story, um, and you can evidence that by the by the the literal the graphic interpretation of it. It just helps. Part um, th- there's a brilliant tool. I think we talked about it a little bit on um, on StatZone um, that you can um, you can play the heat maps um, in, and it, it it plots it for for 15 seconds. So during the get uh, plots during the game the specific heat maps of whatever you're picking out so you can really see a graphic representation of how the game works it's, it's fascinating and it's and they do it the, the size of the name of the player increases doesn't it as as yeah. he has more ball touches you can, in the period like and... you can do it that way for sure yeah um average position maps there's another one we often like because that's always a tactical thing as well um yeah, it's a huge tactical influence of that of the um average positions um do, on on fantasy football scout you can do um Average position or average touch, I, I quite like. Uh, uh, you can s- like split both of those things, so you can have. Um, forget me. I, do you know what I'm working on? Three hours sleep here. <laughs> <laughs> You're Trojan, mate. You're Trojan. Really? Well, the only the only the only weakness the only weakness of um, um, is heat maps is you, you can't really get anywhere where you, where you can do chunks of matches yet because it, we they, they, they can't generate the data, the chart. It's usually four matches only, isn't it? No, on so, who scored on on who scored? You can do chunks. Okay, that's fantastic, isn't it? But yeah, the, literally, so we can plot. So I do it all the time, plotting blocks against get literally against Popper. So it's it's the key thing about it's the information which tells us about the tactics and like you know where the players are because the number one piece of tactical advice I was ever given, I always remember this is. The question is, where's the space? And one of the things the heat maps will often show you is you can derive is when you look at opposition map heat maps overlaid with attacking heat maps, you know where exactly that is because you know the where the ball events are, and you can see like patterns of attack and patterns of defence and 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 where the game when they get where the game is um, you know and how how, how it. I don't, I'm losing my words now as well. Sorry. But they they're just an absolutely fantastic tool. Yeah, right. if you if you look at the previous season, season previous to last. Um, that most of the matches they showed the um, the beautiful little S shape where the ball got passed around from the back down the left back position through Milner across across the middle of the park and down the right. That's literally how our heat map worked because we'd be attacking down the right hand side, but the possession would roll through the left hand side first before it, co- it came across. And then this season it completely changed, um, so that instantly gives you a graphic representation of what. And then we played it. Who, who did we play? We played a couple of games. The ball literally didn't go into the into the area. Of the it was the Roma game. Roma away. Roma away. And there was the, there was that there was that there was like an island. There was a heat map island in our own in the center of our own half. Wasn't yeah. it? Well, Surreal. And, and it was one of those things you never. You think, the hell does that happen? It's like you know, and and we put it out there because you think, well, that's really unusual. You know, look at that. <laughs> But then, then there was a brilliant insight we, we gained from uh, looking at heat maps was um, just when we started to kick into form, 
after after that, what on earth are we doing? We're not pressing at all this season. And then it was after the Spurs game, and then we gradually started to build into it a little bit. And it definitely came about from uh, Van Dyke and Carrius comes to the Marable. team. Yeah, where, oh, yeah, where there was that you know that pocket to the left side of the centre circle that yeah. we just focused so much of our play in that little that one little pocket. But a load of Bobby's um, aerial jewels, lost aerial jewels, were in that pocket. But then it also overlaid with that's where our pressing map was as well. So we were launching the ball up to Bobby and then winning the ball, losing it. But then we were winning the ball back there and then and then springing directly to Mo, who was coming in from the other wing. Um, so yes, yeah, so the graphic representation just gives you that extra insight. The numbers that don't necessarily. Yeah. Now I know you're, I know you're desperate to go. So I want to ask you one more question before you go. We have to drop off, right? Because. I want to move on to some of the, 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 the key problems that we face in, in interpreting and the key pitfalls pe- the beginners always face. And the biggest one, I think, of all the ones I've got on my list, is opportunity. Oh, why, why, why does opportunity present such a problem with doing the analysis for UP? You know, should we, we'll start with defence, should we, first? Um, if you're talking in, in specific numbers, then... Um, defense is a huge like how can we how can we analyze defense because it's an opportunity based stat if we have the ball for 75 percent if you just look at the at the world cup and and look at england you say we had a good defense or a bad defense we didn't concede many goals but we actually didn't have many tackles many ball recoveries but england had the ball 76 percent of the time so there wasn't many opportunities to uh, have a tackle or win the ball back or get beaten in uh, on the dribble or um, make a clearance because nobody actually had that. So are we judging Kyle Walker as a good player or a bad player? Because if we're looking at those numbers specifically, you'll probably say say he's a bad player, but it's actually irrelevant because it's just an yeah. opportunity-based stat. Yeah, and, and, you'd say, and the same thing with pressing, of course, isn't it? And that's yeah. the thing. You, and we, we learned this ourselves on our journey through 2016 and 17, and you were the one who continually said, right from the very early stage, We've got to be be mindful of how much the pressing is opportunity based, and yeah. and we saw, we saw it. was what was what we discussed was was opportunity based, wasn't it? We can't say good or bad comp- like um, in Join relation presses. to the volume. Yeah. yeah. So, which is where Papa came from. Yeah. So, and then it's all about, and one of the things people have to do is, you know, if you play in a bad defence, right, you can't judge a centre-back from a, a, a lower, a, you know, bottom half of the table team or a relegation team because he will make the most clearances in the league because he plays in the worst defence and he will have to make the most clearances in the league. As, so will, ha- as will West Brom's goalie always make the most saves. <laughs> yeah. So, and what you always have to think about as an analyst is, okay, how, what, how is this data I'm seeing, I'm looking at, being polluted, being biased? And um, one of the, the biggest things is, is, is opportunities. Now, with that side, I'm going to bid you adieu. I think I need you need your away in the morning. So good luck. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, boys. Keep going. Good job. Yes, but so me and you now, Rosie. I think, and um, on the rest of this. I mean, what, anything you want to add on opportunity? Because it is so. It's so important. I think. No, I haven't. I think. I think you've. I think you've covered it well. I did want to come back to data presentation, though, Dan. I want it. You've missed not that. a problem. The pressing dashboard. The pressing dashboard <coughs> is such a good, oh. another good illustrator of, of yeah. the things that we try and you know because this is an audio podcast and data works best visually. <laughs> so yeah, to have problem, to, to have these supplementing things that we've only evolved over time 
Yeah. No, at first, Gags was coming on, telling us about the figures, and we'd just discuss them, and we'd add a few of the Optostats. And as we've yeah. done it more and more, we introduce different things, and the images supplement, and the people who are subscribers know that, because in the Facebook group, they all go out there, and they and, and they go out there on Twitter as well, on the Twitter account. So yeah. it's just, and the pressing well, that part, the, the driver... In, in terms of pressing dashboards, we probably we probably post ten times as much in the Facebook group as we do on on the Twitter account. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's 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 right. So, I mean, there's there's just two things here. Gags last week talked about the tool he had created to collect the pressing data as well. That that tool allows um, something similar as well. But um, the way we've done with the dashboard, we've used it. We the pressing dashboard we use a tool called Tableau. It's the, it's, my, it's one of my uh, favorite data uh, tools for data presentation generally. Um, but we we the, we created an image of a pitch. Um, we put the we put the image of the pitch in, tab, in Tableau. Uh, we put, we create uh, the x and y axis, and we we, we give the, so Tableau then knows the coordinates. It knows where the fifty fifty coordinate is, is this, i.e. the center circle. It knows where the you know x ten y fifty is. It knows where x x x one y ninety nine is, and you know and, and 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 the tool does that for you. And what you do is you put in the coordinates from Gags's data, which has got x y data, and it plots them. Into, into Tableau, and once you're in there in Tableau, you can then link it to the raw data, such as the player, um, the position of the pitch, the time of the event, the type of the event, the type of press it was, and you can. We've probably got how many filters, Rosie? Maybe fifteen filters, eighteen, yeah. twenty filters. Yeah, twenty out there. Yeah, and uh, ways and 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 the tool. You 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 select the filters you want. And it's almost instant. The day the, the rendering you can get that you can see the pressing of of all of all of those things you've done, and then you can basically use that to put data in chunks of the pitch. We always talk about the high pressing. So on the high pressing, I know that the coordinates I want to use is where the where, where the y-axis is less than point less than thirty eight, and so anything which is lower than thirty eight is is a press past the center circle inside the opposition half, and that's what we talk about, and that's the way I can isolate the high pressing. They're quick. Because Tableau allows us to do it, and it says, "Okay, there was a 250 presses in the match. 60 of them were high inside the opposition half. You don't have to go and count them on the screen yourself because you, the tool does it for you. It's, it's fantastically powerful." One of, the, one of the best things is is the slow evolution. So Gags collects it, um, it sends it over to you. You send the emails back with some of the data from the individual players. We discuss it in the podcast. Sai comes in with the tactics, and then you get an idea. To use the pressing dashboard to get the images for the for the people that are listening, and that's how yeah. it and that's how it evolves, and it's great because you'll, we'll still be discussing about Emery Chan or Firmino's pressing on the left hand side, and you'll be going, "Oh yeah, I'll just I'll have a quick look on the dashboard." Yeah, you and you can send, we sometimes yeah. sometimes I send screenshots in exactly. in, in Skype in, in, in Skype chat. <laughs> yeah, exactly mid mid pot analysis. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 it's, it's our. We talked about journeys before. It's our journey of trying to understand and analyse that match, isn't it? As well as us, it's, we're on a journey as, as much as anybody else in that match. Absolutely, and we're only trying to use, like we've outlined in all the previous points about the data sources, about the quality of the validation, yeah. and then we get once we get it, then we try to learn something from it. Yeah, yeah. So it's all around. We we always say, what's the story in this match? What data is the story in this match? You know, sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes sometimes pressing is the story. Sometimes it's all about the gegenpressing. pressing. Sometimes it's all about the shots. It's a, like a monumental, monstrous attacking performance. Sometimes it's about low XG, 
loads of goals, which means high quality finishes or loads of errors. You know that we have to use our, you know, all the all the experience and all the tools we've got at our disposal, haven't we, Rosie, to to, to understand what the story is for that match? We do, and and one one of the one of the presentation sources you haven't mentioned is Data Wrapper, and I think it's a really important one for. People who are just starting out with stats, if you want an easy way to transfer data into images, uh, into graphs, into tables, um, it's a really free initially. If you want to use it a lot, you, you, you have to pay if you're using it, especially if you're using it on public websites. But if you're just using it yourself, it really does make it easy for you to get to, to learn how to create good quality tables um, yeah. that give easy information. So, you know, Papa's a really, I think it's a really complicated, but the output is really easy to understand. And this is, what, this is what Data Wrapper does. Yeah. You, you just plug in your data, you learn how to do that. It's got full, easy explained instructions, and then you can transfer it into something. So it's an analysis, and it's a simple analysis. So and my recommendation... A lot of your readers... We'll want simple analysis as well. Yeah. So my recommendation is anybody listening to this who is looking to start off doing chart basic charts, bar charts, pie charts, line charts, don't don't just start with Excel. Start with Data Wrapper because Data Wrapper does it dynamically and it uses um, it uses JavaScript and it uses um, a D3 JavaScript D3 data driven. It's data. It's, it's basically they built a pro, they built the library of a load of stuff which they plugged into D3 to to create. Um, this way that you can do it completely dynamically, and you change it, you change a drop-down list, and it will instantly refigure the, da- the the data for you. It's so powerful, isn't it, Rosie, to present basic yeah, bar it's charts? It's so easy to understand and use. That's the crucial yeah. thing. So yeah, data wrapper we like. Yes. Okay. Now I'm just going to move in the final section here. We're going to talk more about pitfalls in how do we interpret the data. Now, Rosie, this is something you've done some brilliant blogs for on Tompkins Times. Randomness. Random chance, randomness, uh, outliers. Yes. It's, it's, you, how it's, do we start with this, though? Uh, I think, God, it's so it, it's just such a frustrating point of main mainstream analysis is that they don't ever take into account the randomness of stuff. So they call people bad finishers and they're converting at eighteen, nineteen, twenty percent. You know, <laughs> it, they don't understand <laughs> the the either the the data they don't understand how how people can fluctuate so ronaldo for instance last season is a great example he's one of, it's one of the best examples because he went he scored like two goals in 100 shots at the start of the season <laughs> yes, and ended up with something like 40 goals yeah. so it's pure that is pure randomness people were completely going two goals 100 shots is finished and then yeah. it ends up with 40 goals and you're just like so it's, it, it isn't finished at all, is it? You just assume he went to a period of bad form. Yeah, it's randomness. That's, yeah. that's been, uh, well. I, I was going to use Benteke then, um, but I'm not sure because last season his big chance finishing that, that was it an seems outlier. to me to be an outlier. Yes. <laughs> I'm not. We we all know about Benteke's finishing. We all know he had moments of brilliance and more moments of. Wasn't it two out of twenty-one big chances? It, or something? it was the I mean, worst big chance conversion uh, in, in history. The, yeah, by uh, and by some way the biggest. It the, was the worst as well. It wasn't even close to the next worst. But if I was if I was a betting man, 
I would bet on him not to do that next season if he had the same volume of shots. Big chances. Yeah, I don't think it would Just be that bad. Just some pure randomness, and that's randomness. Whether he would be league average is a different question, but yeah, I don't it, think it would be it that is, bad. But it would improve. Yeah. So, I mean, we're not, we're, we're not talking about statistical, um, you know, randomness p-values. We're not talking about the, the, the likelihood of relationship between two things only existing because of chance. We're not talking about things like that here. But the, when, it, when you play it to football, the most common example is, is, is conversion rates, isn't it, Rhodesy? Yeah. What we talked about before with PDO, you know, so, you know, big chance conversion, it's so, it's so important, you know, um, and it explaining the peaks and troughs within a team's form. Because if, if they, if you go, if you get a run of 10 big chances, and score only two out of ten, which is which is perfectly normal, happens from time to time. And then you know later on in the season, you might get a period where you score eight out of ten. And those periods of, of of the same big chance conversion, bad and good, will will coincide with periods of bad and good form. Exactly. And and all they are is they've got the same ten very very similar shots, but at one point you've gone and you scored two out of ten, and the other time you've gone eight out of ten, and people can. Try and attribute loads of this to loads of their game, to, 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 to confidence, to momentum, to the, to oh, tactics, the narratives to... that are formed based on randomness and big yes. chance conversion is, is it, is, <laughs> yes, it's, it's an incredible it's frustration. It's an industry in itself. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And honestly, and, I, and I'm not meaning to criticize, well, I am, I'm going to, but a lot of mainstream journalism uses Randomness as a staple diet. So they base narratives on things that are happening randomly mm. to, to make a living. It's, it's and they so yeah, project the narrative onto it, yeah. Because yeah. they can't be proved right or wrong, could they, in that respect? Oh, of course not. Yeah. Because no one either knows what's going to happen next, but you know it's going to improve if they've got any kind of sample before that. Yeah. So. <laughs> this like is Ronaldo. true. <laughs> Um, so we've already talked a bit about context. Context is king. Um, um, but a bit more, I think we should touch a bit more about what does good look like? What does bad look like? These are all, these are questions that people want to know the answers to. Um, and, um, you can say, or you can, you, you don't want to say what it looks like on the pitch, but what does it look, you can, you, we also, we're, we're interested in telling the story of what does good and bad look like using the data. And we know that if you, um, do a certain, you know, if you see a certain amount of events and a certain amount of things, Virgil, Virgil van Dijk, for example, we know he's an elite centre back because he wins over seventy five percent of his aerial duels, which is, you know, which is exceptional. And because, you know, when you get to the top, you know, the, the, the fine margins, there's a few players who get over seventy. There's a few players that get over seventy three percent. But when Virgil is consistently at that seventy five percent, maybe seventy six in, in some periods, which is that absolute, it's that one or two percent which makes all the difference between good and absolutely elite. And 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 but that translates that translates to prima, any position and any of the metrics, doesn't it, Rosie? I think I think one of the I hope one of the key insights that we look to add is to understand when randomness is happening and. So, <clears throat> for instance, when Liverpool last season were creating so many chances in games, we were creating plus two XG in games and drawing one all or nil-nil or what have you, I hope we were saying, look, we're creating the chances. 
as long as the good quality chances, as long as the we, we talk about the shot values and point so so point so ten percent of shots are converted, Dan, nine to ten percent of shots converted. Yeah. Um so point one is average. So when it's point one six, point one it means the shot quality is really good of the average shots we've had in that game. And yeah. if we have an XG over two with a good amount of shot quality, the goals will come. Is what yeah, we're just to keep say. basically Not, just keep the doing results that. don't come because of randomness, because of refereeing, because of all yeah. sorts, because of deflections, because of elbows in the head, because of arm locks. You know, randomness happens. Yeah, but what we say is we 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 like the process of generating two xG a game, generating high shot quality, generating lots of pressing, and we basically say, less than point five. Yes, no, do that. Keep doing the things that max. Yeah, so, keep doing so, the things that do that. Repeat that, repeat yeah. that, repeat that, and then the results will yeah. turn. Yeah. Results will always come. They always have. Yeah. Okay. Um, for, well, two, two last topics to go on. One is, we have touched touch on this already when we talked about changing the measuring stick, which is when yeah. things look wrong, data errors. Now, outliers can be caused by actual data errors so when you one of the things that when you're looking at all you look at th- hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of events and then there are some which stick out on a, on a scatter plot and you look like a sore thumb that looks like an error now some of those outliers will be because of bad performance such as benteke but other times they'll be because there's been a mistake there's actually been a mistake with the data provider or the data collector. And there's a, there's a few ways that we've seen this, isn't there, over the time, Rodi? Um, now, Opta do make mistakes. We talked about it. Opta like to validate. Um, Opta, Opta, Opta push out and they do correct their stats. I've got, a lovely, um, I've got a lovely example of this, Dan, and that's my big chance collection because that, for the Tompkins stands, I used to collect them and put them on the site immediately after the game. And... And that would be in my spreadsheet, what Opta gave me. Now, as the season would progress, suddenly my total figures were slightly different from other people's. So the next season, I, I used to take the the immediate big chances after a game and then the big chances a week later. And I found that Liverpool's big chances changed 29% across the season. And there's wow. your data validation figure. Yeah. Because Opta's process is they'll review them. Yeah, and things change. And they won't just review the big chances, they'll review everything. Exactly. Yeah. So data will change. But Sai gave a brilliant example of a Premier League match. This is another example of an error um, between Middlesbrough was one team and was it Bournemouth or was it Brighton, something like that. And it had the highest aggregate distance of any match in the Premier League. This was the season before last. And, you know, I remember we were talking about this at the time. And, yeah. you know, yeah, and it was actually Middlesbrough and all the sports scientists were like, Middlesbrough? Middle, Middlesbrough, really? And then there was, it turns out there was a problem, a technical problem with the cameras in that game. So the data was effectively had to be lost or scrubbed or whatever because, scrubbed you know, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because it be because it became meaningless, um, and they couldn't trust it because there was a, there was a, that was actually a physical technical problem with, and that happens. You know, it's, it's the same with Opta. Key, they, they 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 have keystroke errors on their machine, and that's what they try to collect. The camera companies have te- cameras, the GPS errors. They can have there's, there's satellite problems. There's there's margins of errors on all the all, on all the software, which which Sai always talks about as well. So, and I think um and we 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 um behind the scenes we encountered one um which is a really odd one, which was. 
Um, I don't even know what the cause of this one was. Uh, the, the, the coordinates of the pressing changed between at one point in the season before last, or was it the season before the season before last? And I don't, I, gags come off me, but I still don't know what the source of this was, even to this day. I could, did you get a new Mac? And and then you had a different dimension screen or something like that. I can't remember. It no, just... I think we upgraded it. I think we we did get it. They <clears throat> there was some upgrades done to it, and I think they just made some changes to the, to the design without even being asked to do so. Uh, unfortunately, I think I think that's all it was. And it, and it, and it, and it, and it hours of pain. Yeah, it did. Yeah, <laughs> it did. And it got, but like this is the thing. Much. This is the thing. We didn't think about these things, did we? No, and we didn't even spot it until we had the Tableau tool in place. Yeah. And I was looking at a map, I was looking at a season's aggregated Hilarious. worth of pressing data. <laughs> and I was, and, and literally you can see the visual pattern from one season to the next. And I said, why isn't anything on the flanks? Why isn't there anything on the, the margins of the pitch? Hey, it's looking and then, you're oh, analytical, uh, isn't it? It's looking you're analytical in a data analyst that you were able to like set, sort that out. <laughs> yeah. But there was a really weird one um, in public as well with, um, like people like Mike Goodsman and, um, um, Joel, um, you know, Messi seconds. What's his name? There was a few years ago. There was, somebody did a, a map and an, uh, about opt to ball events and how few events were actually on the halfway line. No, so they didn't. Actually, yeah, no, they don't record the. Yeah, the people who work for Opta. This is, if if when they do when they when they plot all the events, it even does it on the centre circle as well. So, it's just slightly <laughs> either side of the halfway line. Yeah, so they never plot them on the lines. I guess that's because we might not be able to see them. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But what happens is somebody somebody did this thing where they they put all the opter events into a, a database, so there was like hundreds of thousands of one, and you could see this clear gap down the centre of the pitch where the line was. It was bonkers. Yes. Anyway, little things like that, people. Um, you know, the, the actual data errors. That's always a big one to be wary of. And again, you could you can only really spot this through experience. And and I'm saying, and if if something smells wrong, follow your nose. You know, and it might well actually be the case. Um, and the final one, right? This is this is getting to be the, almost the philosophical side now, and the limitations of stats in football. Rosa, we we know we like to champion stats and we like to champion analytics, but we know. As we always get told by non-stats people, stats don't tell the whole story, boys. You know, <laughs> but we, no, we poor stats mislead as well the story. Yeah, and then give stats a bad name. Yeah, yeah. But most importantly, we know that stats don't tell the full story. No data analyst will say that stats are the full story ever. No one will. That's the thing. Nobody who uses stats and analytics will say that stats tell the full story. Stats, stats are the answer. They will say they just provide the information. If if the, the key the key to this is if if you came on the podcast Dan with all the stats from the game and you hadn't watched a second of the match, you would not be able to give us any context when you're talking about those stats. No, because without watching it, you can, it's just a supplement. Everything that we've talked about is just to try and supplement and try and understand a little bit better. But without watching it. And and what to know of again, and in Gags's case, three or four times, you you just don't get this data, you don't get this analysis, you don't get this understanding. Yeah. Now, in terms of limitations and and what we can measure, I guess the biggest one for us is we have Gags's amazing pressing data, but Mm. the thing is, we don't have it for any other team. No, we only have it. We only have it when that team plays Liverpool. So we don't know what Man City looks like in terms of pressing. We don't know what. Bournemouth look like we don't know Arsenal look like. It's the biggest limitation of the pressing data, and it's and it's obviously because of resource. 
Yes, Gags is, we did. Gags never got the opportunity to get his army of minions to collect every Premier League game. I think he wanted to at one point. <laughs> that was a, that was a business plan idea, maybe at one point. But, <laughs> but just, yeah, so it's such a difficult thing to do and commit to. Yeah. But Statzone have it now. Apparently, it's in their business things. So it will be really interesting to see the kind of stuff that Statzone are going to be pushing out this coming season. Because no, not Statzone. Stats bomb. Stats bomb have it, don't they? They have they have a pressing stuff and it, it is. Does, it's based on event there, though, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, yeah. So we'll have to see how they do because it'll be interesting to see what, how their pressing data shows. You know, the Liverpool that matches as well. A little context. Yes, it will. It will give us some context. It is, it is slightly different because it's just yeah. data whereas ours is off the bar. So. In that's, terms of in, that's the limitations because yeah. most, most of football exists off the ball. ball. Yeah, and we already talked about on part one, didn't we, about the differences exactly. between the position of defenders when you're shooting and how much pressure there is on the ball, and how how much those things have. But I, I just think that the the, the most the, the biggest fundamental gap in all the public data for me is that no one, I mean no one, has really got a handle on what good defending looks like. And measure of good defence. So basically, with we are always biased towards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we are all. Um, I'd say with any data, almost. I, I, I'm still not seeing anything satisfactory anywhere for for defending, even with um, you know, um, the stats stuff, the really advanced stuff. But um, um, and so so all all, all public analysis of matches and using stats and analytics basically comes down to attack, because we can't do it the other way around. Because you, the fundamental problem is is you can't measure things that don't happen. So defending generates events, and sometimes the absence of events is an indicator of good defending. Some the defender said by doing by doing something off the ball without make, without touching the ball, the defender performed the art of good defending and stopped something from happening, which doesn't get counted. So yep. that is the fundamental. It's the biggest limitation of paradox, data. should we say, in the in football data, isn't it, and, and analytics? Yeah. It is no. just just for people that are, I would say if you're going to use what no Dan what metrics did you say for defending that are usable aerial jewels aerial jewels yeah um, on the ball and off, on the ball errors because they exactly what they say on the tin yeah because you, so, you yeah they're all errors yeah yeah I, th- I, th- I think errors um, errors because you know you don't want to be making errors close to your own goal. But the problem with that is, is, is it a function of player or team? Is it, is it the tactics causing it or is it the player causing it? That's that. Then that becomes the, you know, that's, that's the big question there, isn't it? We've always talked about this. It's, 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 it's systemic or is it individual? It is. So what other defensive stats should people be using? Very few. <laughs> Good. Good. I would say if you want to comment on someone's defending, use as much video as you can. Get little video yes. clips and just, just analyze each clip yourself. That's the best way to to analyse defending if you want to write about it. Yeah. If you're using stats, it's it's a minefield. You, even you, even the best out there, I see some of the stuff that they produce about defend defensive analysis, and you go, Meh. <laughs> there's still some issues there because it's all event based. Yeah, and I think if you're gonna, if the only way you can analyse good defending is you can analyse the output of good defending as a team. So you have yeah. to, me- you can measure, the, you, can, you can you can do some stuff with the defensive unit and the team um, and look at maybe the way that the, the team as a whole suppresses shots. Of course you can. If, you, yeah, if, if, you're not, if you're not conceding any XG, no big chances, 
Yeah. You're defending really well. Yeah, but individually... That's easy, but when you're yeah. talking about an individual player, yeah, that's right. It's, it's all about the system. And, 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 and there's a big theory around, which was originally in the numbers game, a very good book on football data, um, about the weakest link. And the weak, it's, it's, it's much more valuable to upgrade your weakest link in your team than it is to upgrade your, uh, you know, your, your strongest one. Because the the, the 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 theory is that the football game is because it's a team, it's, it's like a chain and the, and the weakest link in the chain theory. So there are things like that as well. It's all it's all related yeah. because it's the context of the team Take versus of Liverpool's window transfer window. <laughs> yeah, upgrading all the basically weakest positions, or most of them anyway. But yes, anything else, Rosie? No, I haven't. I've I've really enjoyed this. Uh, it, I hope the listeners have as well because. If if you are interested in data, if you do write about it, if you do tweet about it, there's some absolute gold dust information. Um, and there's so many sites out there, but it just takes it just takes time to learn, and yeah. you're gonna make errors. We've how what's your worst moment of frustration with data, Dan? Because I've I've switched computers off, <laughs> I've thrown mouses across from yeah. it because of, it's, I, of, I, I've collected. <clears throat> I've collected a whole series like for two hours and I've missed the one metric that I needed. I didn't notice I'd missed it. Oh, you, you know, that kind of again, yeah. yeah, you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't done. Yeah. That's the, that's a, that's a, that's a big one actually. You, 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 before you start collecting, you've got to come up with a plan for what you're going to collect and why. And then you've got to really think through that data collection plan before you start doing it. Because once you start doing the collection, it's so goddamn time consuming if you've got any errors in that data collection plan of what you're planning to do, it gets too late to change it. So before you go down the road of putting the effort in and doing the collection, doing the hard yards, just really think about what your objectives are, what you want to collect and why you need it. And what, you know, think about all the various things that you're going to miss. You know, what I would say is if you do, if anybody listens to this and does find some value in it and it has helped you, in you know the way you write your blogs, the way you do your anal- analysis, give us some anecdotal feedback. Let us know. Contact the account, and then we 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 always love the feedback. So let us know, guys. Absolutely. And I think that's it. It is so, analytics one or two. That was really a gag there. Yeah, but yes, um, really, really hope you've enjoyed this, everybody, and we'll speak to you again soon. Network.